Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequences Sound, the web's foremost source of music, film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Toby Philpott. I was inside Jabba the Hutt. And I'm John Coppinger. I was the clay mechanic for Jabba the Hutt, otherwise known as the Nudge Sludger or the Sludge Nudger. And you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And we are here with less than a week to go before we see The Force Awakens. This week? Yes. I never thought we'd see the day. It's been quite like, a journey. Yeah. I mean, we said it during the first one. It's like, I never thought Lucas would give it up. And then, like, even when they announced there's going to be films, I'm like, I just thought with my luck I would die before it would happen. Like, even when it was announced what the date was, like, oh, I'm probably going to die sometime before. I, I've been terrified every flight that I take. <laughs> like, and now this week I'm terrified on the road. Like, I just have to make it one more week. I just gotta get to the theater! Please! The ticket's already bought! They won't miss me! Ticket's already bought three times over in the first three days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Matt. You crazy son of a bitch. Uh, so, um, I know there's a lot of people who are very sensitive about absorbing any spoiler information at all. So, we're gonna keep a really tight lid on how deep we dig here before we open the blast doors. If you're unfamiliar with the show, we talk about anything and everything Star Wars, but we do specialize in insightful speculation as to what's to come from the franchise, in the uh, the television, the comics, the, and of course the films, everything. Um, but we know that everyone's quite sensitive leading up to this. There's been a lot of trailers that have come out. We've got international trailers from... A bunch of different countries, a bunch of different edits for TV, all kinds of stuff that's trickled in. New information from action figures and J.J. Uh, Abrams and the rest of the cast has been on the interview circuit. Mark Hamill dressed up as a stormtrooper in disguise in, in L.A. Um, and and we, we learned that uh, we're going to get a Star Wars movie every year for the foreseeable future, forever, possibly. Um, all that's happened, but we're going to just talk about stuff that is not spoilerific for The Force Awakens until a very clearly denoted time where we're going to open those blast doors and let it fly. And that's going to be no-holds-barred spoiler city. But don't worry. We're seriously, seriously going to have a spoiler-free conversation just talking about our hype and everything else that's going on in the Star Wars universe uh, right now that, that you might actually have missed because of how much hype is going on for the yeah. impending release of the film. And, of course, once the movie comes out, if you want to uh, decompress and hear what uh, us nerds uh, think about it, we are seeing the movie Thursday night, recording immediately afterwards, and uh, releasing it ASAP. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> First up, you may have noticed there's something a little odd about our episode art for this episode of State of the Empire. I have compiled a 
coloring book image for this episode, and and we've we've colored it in there. But this is actually a coloring contest. So on this episode's page, as well as nerdyshow.com slash S-O-T-E, State of the Empire, contest, uh, you can you see all the rules and everything and download a file so you can color your own version of our episode art for this. It is a contest with prizes. You can color with crayons. You can color with Photoshop or whatever. Manga color Studio. pencils. Yeah, color pencils. Use any medium. You want to cover it in macaroni and like kind of do that. I whatever. Watercolors. Yeah, but we're going to judge top three winners for this in about a month's time. The due date is January 31st, so um, we're going to continue to be you know, promoting this throughout, but uh, show, show us what you got. Uh, you could do it, your kid could do it, but everybody who's entering the contest as the arbiter of whoever's artwork it is does need to be 18 or older. Um, there's no real reason for that, except that I think that's probably what you should do legally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have fabulous prizes in three sort of prize packs, and the first place gets to basically first pick, and then on down the line. We have a Micro Machines pack, which is assorted 90s Micro Machines playsets. I'm talking about those awesome, like, awesome-to-display-on-a-shelf Star Wars heads that fold open into scenes oh, and so on. okay. Yeah, my personal, like, childhood collection, those are going to be yours. We actually don't know which ones yet, because I want to make sure everybody is getting complete sets, and uh, there's a lot of tiny figurines to sort out and make sure that they go with the right faces. Um, then the comics pack, uh, again, uh, my, my personal stash, all these Marvel Star Wars comics of Star Wars, the Star Wars and Darth Vader lines that have come out since the launch till, uh, the conclusion of Vader down. Uh, nice. Okay. So that, that whole crossover run basically. Um, and that includes the, the first issue. They're all in, they're fine condition. Nothing wrong with them. But I, the first issue at, at near mint goes for like $18 at least. So I, it, it, it could be, I don't, I haven't graded it. I don't really care about that stuff. So, um, it, it could be at least, it's at least very good if you care about condition, but it's a great read. Um, and then finally Jar Jar's party pack is what I'm calling. Um, why is it called Jar Jar's party pack? <laughs> well, um, it's, uh, it's two '90s Taco Bell toys. Okay, um, all right. It's a uh, it's a, a Boba Fett from uh from the special edition of Return of the Jedi, and um the Naboo Royal Cruiser thing from Episode One, and then also the notorious Chewbacca notebook from Force Awakens. Oh, okay. Um, and if you're not familiar with what that is, well, it is spoiler related, and you will f- learn all well, about that. In maybe episode. not spoiler related. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but you'll learn all about in in our fifteenth episode of the show. So th- we might we might add to all these. It'll change. We'll we'll as we get the stuff finalized, we'll add the details on the uh, the rules page. But so coloring contest. Just want to open with that. Um, maybe like go and print it out and and color while you're listening to this episode. Um, everybody can submit once. So do it as many times as you like and shoot off your best work. That out of the way, let's talk about Force Awakens. Of course, in a way that we can talk about it without any kind of spoilers or jeopardizing anything to that effect. What else is there to say? I mean, other than it's here, I can't believe it, well, and uh, I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to see it. <laughs> it. It racked up more than $50 million in advanced ticket sales in North America. Damn. There's that. Um, they... Very likely speculate it's going to be the uh, biggest North American debut of all time. And doesn't this also suggest that it it could become the number one 
box office draw of all time? Yes. Like not just opening, but just in general? In general, yes. I, I, I think that it's almost a safe bet at this point with the extra China market that they get to tap into. Like, mm. how could it not be? Did like, Avatar get to tap into that market? I, at least, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Like, how big of how big was Avatar overseas compared, like, I know obviously every movie makes more money overseas if it's a big hit. Because for some reason, you know, it's like, oh, America is one market and every other country is lumped in together. <laughs> like, so it's, it's like, it's a separate thing. But comparatively, did Avatar make a huge ton of money overseas or was it mostly America? It, it was, it was 760 million here and two, two billion overseas. But I don't know how percentage-wise. So I guess that's like twenty-seven percent, like here. Hmm. And I actually, like, I mean, I know movies like Alice in Wonderland were like mostly overseas. So mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a good comparison. And that comparison was thirty-two percent U.S. So okay, so Avatar made most of its money foreign. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe Star Wars won't be the biggest opening ever, but it certainly stands a very good chance of being top three. And I think they got to be happy with top three. Uh, yeah, but uh, but. Considering the Star Wars popularity doesn't diminish when you go overseas either. Like, it's, it yeah. truly is a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, global. Super weird, <laughs> but, but amazing. Um, and uh, George Lucas, according to Kathleen Kennedy, he really likes Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. The quote is, he really likes it, which is interesting because he actually was in the press not too long ago being kind of grumpy about it. Understandably so, when something you've devoted your life to, you, you have to live with the ramifications of having for your own sanity, put the creative control completely in someone else's hands. And I wish people would give him a little slack on that, that, you know, people even kind of picked apart the way in which he said that he liked the movie. He's, you know, the, the extra line about, like, I'm sure the fans will love it. People are like, oh, he's saying that because the fans didn't love his movies and, you know, he wanted to make what he, you know, his thing. It's like, well, yeah, it's, yeah, you know. He, well, he put, did put make yourself, the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, and put yourself in, in his shoes. It's, it's his baby. He created the whole thing. Like, you know, you got to... I think he reserves the right to be like a a little defensive about it, but he liked the movie, so let's cut him some slack. Yeah, I mean, even earlier than that, he did say like back when they were first announcing they were going to make it and how he was going to have nothing to do with it. His whole attitude was like, you know what? Now I get to be a fan of it. Like I, I I'm not involved in the process. I get to just enjoy the movie. So I mean, maybe he did le- legitimately enjoy it, and he's just like, this is what fans want, but it's also really good. So hooray! You know, he's got. I mean, what, what what answer do you want him to say? Oh my God, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Like you know what? what I mean, honestly, like what what do people want from him at this point? Yeah, and 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 what does he really owe people? You know, like nothing. Uh, <laughs> like he yeah, did. Yeah. He didn't even owe us the prequels. He didn't owe us anything. He owes himself to forgive himself. <laughs> That's what he owes. Uh, we got we got new posters for the Force Awakens character posters. And they're gorgeous. They're so cool looking. They got uh, there's different varieties of them. All the uh, the ones in a With, like half face covered. You're talking about yeah. Usually there's like an eye being covered mm-hmm. on, on at least on the American ones. Uh, maybe all the English speaking ones. I know in China they have a similar style, but they are different. Mm-hmm. They got uh, there's some new action figures starting to circulate. And while there's some action figures we could glean spoilers from, there's some that are just more interesting than anything. For example, there's a character called uh, Unkar Plutt, who's uh, very highly suspected to be Simon Pegg's character. Which we know he's in it. We just haven't have no idea what what he's doing. All right, he's in a suit of some kind, and he was in Jakku. Yeah, but that's that's what we got. Also, Finn and Stormtrooper guard, and uh, two nasty looking space pirates, uh, Sidon Nithano and first mate uh, Quiggold, and then also uh, Empire Magazine uh, published a canonical map of the galaxy, which is pretty cool. We'll link to that on this episode's page. 
I wonder how that matches up with uh, the Old Republic online. It uh, it actually matches up quite well with the maps that have been distributed ever since like New Jedi Order. I mean, New Jedi Order was the first time they put like a real detailed map out in the world, and it's it's pretty pretty darn close. I don't think anybody so far has any complaints in in that realm. J.J. Abrams has some uh, spoiler-free things to tell you about the movie. Um, there's no post-credit scene, and um, much to my dismay, because I had a, a pr- pretty good theory about it, there are no Ewoks in the movie. So right. Warwick Davis apparently is not reprising his role as Wicket for a brief cameo. Which I'm a little relieved, <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> not that I have anything against the Ewoks, but just uh, it's like, really? We're, we're bringing everybody back? Like, are we, are we going to see a ghost of Ben Kenobi while we're at it? Like, wh- how much of this stuff are we going to keep pulling back? <laughs> Every mind thing, it's like, oh, Salacious Crumb, he, somehow he's there for some reason. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now he's 30 years older, so he's got to be, oh, oh, oh. my back. (laughs) His back. (laughs) My tuckus. All white hair, all wrinkles, (laughs) even more wrinkled than he was. It's horrible. Um, JJ also provided some further insight into the state of the expanded universe when they came into writing the movie. He said, it became very clear that if we were to adhere to the expanded universe, it would have been a very tricky thing to navigate. It wasn't even clear what is canon in the Expanded Universe, and I don't think the vast majority of Star Wars fans have ever read a Star Wars novel. We can't try and please every fan of that universe first. We have to try and tell the best version of a Star Wars movie. But he also said, If ideas that come up feel like they overlap and feel like they work, great. But we can't adhere to something that is as vast as the Expanded Universe and frankly is lesser known than the films. A very sensible thing to say. Yeah, it, it, it is very sensible as, as a diehard Expanded Universe fan. I, I was OK with that explanation. I've, I've been OK with the like conceptually with getting rid of it of the, you know, post Jedi universe. I guess there's some things I would have liked to have seen kept from before the context of the uh, six films that we have now. But that overlap statement's pretty interesting, I think, is it's kind of leading along the lines of the fact that, you know, Han and or Leia and or Luke have have kids that end up dark and they have siblings that are affected by it. And that would be my guess, just based on promotional material and like no actual spoilers, just tone wise of all the promotions, that would be that it somehow vaguely follows expanding universe is what you're saying. Well, yeah, yeah. Basically continues the Skywalker legacy of darkness coming in and out of the lives of new generations, I guess, is how I would phrase that, which is fair. I just, I, I'm just kind of sick of saying Skywalker legacy. Like, it's fine. Like, we did Vader. We got Luke, Leia. I don't really care what happens to the Skywalker bloodline, just more Star Wars. Like, if it's, if each of these things just becomes the Skywalker legacy, it's going to slowly turn into the Terminator franchise, where it's like, the Connor legacy is the most important yeah. thing. And I'm like, can we just get off of it? You know, like, just hey, maybe we just hey, kill and- the Skywalkers. That'll be enough. And- and, and I've written to this effect, but it, it kills me now to hear Yoda say, pass on what you have learned and to see these these previews. And, and Han has to tell, you know, these two, like, potentially force sensitive individuals that the Jedi and the force are real things. Clearly, they've never heard of it. And it bothers me to know that the Skywalker legacy was not something that was passed on. We should actually mention um, State of the Empire is sponsored by Consequence of Sound, and uh, they're doing a ton of Star Wars articles all week long, uh, including a piece you wrote, Matt. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I hope so. I enjoyed really looking back. That was really awesome. What was the article you did? 
I uh, kind of uh, went through and addressed, like, in eliminating the Star Wars Expanded Universe, what over the course of the saga do the films and, and the legacy of Star Wars lose? Like, without sort of a foundation of, of the real Sith and Jedi conflict before the context of the movies, like, I mean, you never hear the word Sith used once in the original trilogy. So going through the prequels, you're just like, who are these guys? Why do they want revenge? Like, I mean, literally, <laughs> they're, just, they're just bad guys. You know, they're in hiding for some reason. We don't know why. And this is just an example of one of the things that I mentioned in the article. It's like you lose the foundation of the saga itself by eliminating things like Knights of the Republic and Tales of the Jedi and things like that. And then continuing on from there, like what becomes shallow because we lost – some expanded universe or some, you know, some video games, some, some things that really personalize the saga for a lot of people. That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. And, and we'll link on this episode's page to where we can find all of Consequences Sound's Star Wars coverage, including uh, State of the Empire stuff. Now, moving on to future films outside of Force Awakens, this is a little bit more safe for us to talk about because mm-hmm. those things are all... Yeah, like we don't know anything. Early development. <laughs> about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, can, we can have our usual State of the Empire speculatory fun because... Uh, we don't have much to say about episode eight because uh, we don't have much left to say about that until we find the end of episode seven. Yeah, and then well, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Um, J.J. Abrams recently uh, vetted for a director named Ava DuVernay to direct a Star Wars movie, and I don't know that that's actually going to happen. But um, she she's known for directing a film called Selma, which I haven't seen. Um, Abrams says she's as much of a fan of genre movies and hearing her talk about not just Star Wars, but hearing her talk about those kinds of films is evidence that she would just kill it. When you look at her work in Selma, which was as well told and sophisticated and humane a film as I think has come out in the last decade, if she can do that story that well, there's no question she would kill this movie. Hmm. And he says this movie being a hypothetical Star Wars film with the first female director at the helm. Hmm. Uh, Rogue One, it's it's weird. It's going to feature what's called shadow stormtroopers. They're essentially black, kind of glossy stormtroopers with chrome eye lenses. They look, I mean, they look kind of cool, but they're also kind of like, well, this is just a weird color variant. What is this? But apparently they're established. So, uh, Matt, are you familiar with these things? They sound like the old dark troopers from Dark Forces. And, and shadow troopers have been uh, as recent as uh, Star Wars Battlefront. They're featured heavily, uh, and also they're from uh, the Force Unleashed game. So, which is really I, not canonical. Well, oh yeah, super. I mean, the, hey, there were even during the Age of the Expanded Universe, they were making references that those might just be hollow dramas, like <laughs> and not actual events. But that's one of those interesting things, like Sith. Like they kind of always, whether you were familiar with the lore itself, it's always kind of been part of the Star Wars fan zeitgeist. The, the shadow troopers and dark troopers and like cool ways to make stormtroopers seem not incompetent because they're <laughs> right. like like cool versions of them and i think that for what rogue one looks like it's going after that seems fair game i mean that that's a great idea there's a picture of a helmet um it appears to be real and it appears to be related to rogue one so we'll link to where you can see that and see this uh, shadow stormtrooper helmet then we'll find out what the hell that's all about some in a couple of years. Um, there's also a photo going around of Puppet Master Phil Tippett being hugged by a Wookiee that's not Chewie. And no one's sure if it's either Episode 8 or Rogue One, though it seems more likely that it's Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to actor Riz Ahmed's agent's website, we now know that his character in Rogue One is called Bodhi Rook, which is an interesting incidental leak. <laughs> Bodhi Rook. Yeah. 
Sometimes I, I think they try too hard to be Star Wars character names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Luke. <laughs> What's wrong with Luke? Mm-hmm. It was uh, recently announced that after the Han Solo uh, standalone film, Lawrence Kasdan is stepping back from Star Wars for good, as far as he knows. Hmm. Now, did, now, did he also work on story for episodes uh, eight and nine, or was it just story screenplay for this one? I'm certain he contributed to some degree because it seems like the the planning for the actual mainline Star Wars films were um, kind of you know round table. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not writing the scripts, basically. Um, I'm sure for anything up to the completion of uh, the script for Han Solo, it's probably fair game to say that Kazdan had some kind of input. Yeah, but I, I remember hearing somewhere that Kazdan, when, he, when they were courting him to come back, they asked him, out of all of these things, episode 7, 8, 9, spinoffs, what do you want? And he said, Han Solo. I actually have something that's directly counterpoint to that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he said that he had little interest in being involved in the solo movie, but that his family was so excited about the idea that he agreed to co-write the screenplay with his son. Hmm. Well, it's the same outcome, different reasoning. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked on State of the Empire in the past about what the Han Solo movie actually means, mm-hmm. um, because it's got comedy writers working on it, comedy directors working on it. What, what exactly, what kind of movies is going to be? Um, are they going to use the age regression technology they used in Ant-Man for Michael Douglas to put Harrison Ford in this movie? Uh, is, I, is that possible? I, they won't, but I, I wish they did. <laughs> well, I think this is above board. I think this has actually happened. It looks as though they are actually casting for Han Solo right now. Mm. The movie shoots January 2017, so they've got you know time. Um, but this is obviously a very important thing to nail down. And uh, they've seen over 2,500 actors. Two of them that I saw on this list were as young as 16 and 18. Uh, but most of them are between 20 and 34. Okay. Now, there's some known names on this list. But, of course, this is a, a handful of people out of 2,500. Right. I, I honestly think it would be more interesting if they went with a complete unknown. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But we got Dave Franco. Aaron Taylor Johnson, Logan Lerman, Miles Teller, um, Nick Robinson, who was in Jurassic World, Rami Malek, who was in Mr. Robot. These are just a few of the people. Um, there's, a, there's a whole list that was published on MakingStarWars.net. So Harrison's now been around. I mean, he, you know, he hit the scene, obviously, you know, American Graffiti and, and Star Wars. So, you know, he's been around since 77. And obviously back then, you know, they weren't looking to cast a young Han Solo. So they've had a lot of time for, like, has any other personality come around in that time? Even people who now have aged themselves out that would that you think could possibly have played that role during their heyday. Someone that goes, yeah, that's totally a young Han Solo. I mean, I know, it, obviously, actors are actors, but Harrison himself sort of embodies that. And I don't know if... I actually think it would be easier to do a young... Indiana, maybe because there wasn't a young Indiana Jones, but I feel like there's, that would actually be an easier role to cast than a young Han Solo. I don't know if anybody's ever... Who's got the that. swagger? Who's had exactly. the swagger? Exactly. I was just about to say, who's got the scoundrel swag? Because it's really... That's what it is. It's not the wisecracking aspect of it. He actually very rarely cracks wise over the course of the movies. It's that scoundrel smile. Because Dr. Jones is more sophisticated. He's an educated man. Yeah. He's more sophisticated. Easier to sort of get in there. He doesn't have the scoundrel going on for him. But on Solo, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just really any, I mean, 
watch that that you know the the space slug scene you know in, in Empire like the and I'm not talking like when when they actually first have their kiss. I'm talking like the entire sequence of you know them arguing beforehand and arguing after you know when he realizes that the, you know it's it's uh, alive. And really tell me if there's anyone over the course of since that movie's come out in 1980, there's anyone else that could have done that scene like he did exactly. And I just I or even come close. Well, it's that's gonna be tough. That's the challenge because, like you said, he he was that character. Like it it, it was it is a part of Harrison Ford in, indelibly. So now someone has the task of channeling that, which is why I think we're definitely gonna need an unknown for this because it needs to be someone who who maybe doesn't give much of a fuck. Maybe somebody who doesn't really even care for Star Wars. <laughs> I think I know one actor who could have done it, but they're no longer with us. River Phoenix. And, well, I mean, that <laughs> that's kind of appropriate. Stands to reason. Um, it, it does. It does, actually. It, it, it very, very, it's actually pretty good. I don't know. It's going to be tough. And I hope we don't get the Daniel Craig approach to Bond where it's all about, like, oh, let's take someone different and put him in situations that make him into what he eventually is known as. Yeah. Like, let's I show don't want not him. Han Solo and then have yeah. things happen to him. <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, that's what probably what movie we're going to get. We're going to get, oh, here's how he got the Falcon. Here's how he got, uh, here's how he met Chewie. Here's, and, and those scenes will never work out the way they work out in your head. I mean, they're perfect in your head. Well, and also, one, you know how it's going to end. Two, yeah. that story is never going to be as interesting as him meeting Luke and Obi-Wan in the bar and blowing up a Death Star. It's, yeah. just, it's just not as good. Just just wait until we find out that Vader killed Han's parents and he's like oh some angry orphan. And I, it's just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, the thing is that the, the track record so far, we haven't seen any films yet, but the track record so far is pretty good. Um, and I look mostly to Star Wars Rebels, which is kicking so much ass this season. You know, it started walking the fine line between an all-ages show and a kid's show in season one. Season two has been non-stop all ages actually generally quite dark and getting progressively darker with every episode i gotta say part of me did not want to like rebels because i'm just like you know what it's it looks very cartoony it just looks like action figures walking around just looks like a big toy commercial everybody's hair looks like it's made of laffy taffy <laughs> i don't i mean it does it does but I, especially I, I had a lot yeah, I had a lot of issues in the beginning with Ezra's obvious Aladdin kind of look and, you know, I mean, they even call him a loath rat. Like, the whole street rat thing is just very prevalent. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, I was very hesitant, too. And and the idea that I feel like there's hardly any danger, you know, like, oh, are they really going to kill the kid? You know, like, no. You know, are they really going to kill the best friend? No. Are they really going to kill the, you know, I, I, I didn't feel any danger, but... The more I watch of this show, the more I'm like, this is like, they give a shit. Like, this is, this is written well. The action is good. And uh, like, I'll watch an episode and be like, okay, uh, let me see what the next one, see where the next one goes. And before you know it, I watch three or four in a row. I'm over at Caps. I watch three or four in a row and I'm like, did I enjoy that? Like, like, did I, did I, like, did it, it just, you have it, to ask, you don't well, know. Yeah, it catches me off. It just caught me off guard because again, part of me is thinking, you know, this is for kids. I'm watching it objectively as a star Wars fan, just to see what story progresses, how they tie it in. Every time I think they're going to screw it up, like three PO and R2 show up. I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to fuck this up. This is going to be dumb. It's going to be pandering, but no, it's actually pretty good. And uh, anytime, like, the villains show up I'm like, oh, they're going to do something stupid and they're going to let the kids get away. And it's like, no, they actually kind of fight well and they're actually kind of scary and they actually get away, not just by, you know, Deus Ex Machina. It's like the, it, it actually a plan comes together. So I don't know. It, uh, 
it, it's been doing good, and I'm I'm the improvement from season one to season two is so great. I'm like, and season three's been approved already. Yep. I'm I'm genuinely interested in season three. It's only getting darker. Like I used to think, people gonna die? Like I think well, that's, that's, that's a thing. real possibility. My, the reason why I didn't really want to like it at first is because I'm thinking. They're going to change the backstory about how they're just going to go into hiding. They're going to be afraid to kill people. And, you know, everyone's going to live happily ever after. Granted, this is five years before Any Hope. But I want season five. Everybody needs to die. <laughs> like everybody, everybody that's a Jedi needs to die. And I don't know if they got the guts to do it. But, man, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're bluffing real good like they're going to do it. I don't know. Creatively, I think they have the guts to do it. I would be curious to see if they'd be willing to take the marketing approach of like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, just as an example, like Sabine dies. Or actually, I, I honestly think like, it, you know, it could be like Ahsoka. Ahsoka, you know? I, I think it's, again, nothing against the character, but I think she needs to die. I, I think for the growth of the characters, she absolutely has to. Yeah. I think they, they really has, not only does it make the characters grow, but it also puts them in the most dire situations. Like, they've finally come across someone that can give them some sort of link back to the glory days, so to speak. And then, yeah. like, before the well, Clone Wars and everything. I, I mean, thematically, yeah. Anakin's apprentice cannot exist within the world of the original trilogy. Like, she yeah. has to be gone. She has to be off the playing field by that point. She, he, yeah. Anakin needs to kill his apprentice, then he kills his master. That's, I mean, it, that that's poetic. That's, you know, it's like yeah. it rhymes, poetry it's, rhymes. It's beautiful. <laughs> but just, I don't know. Like, and then how far do you take it after that? Because should Caden be killed? I mean, he's a fun character, but like, basically, I feel like if you know too much about the Force, you should probably die. Because otherwise, what reason does Luke have to start teaching people if there's enough people out there learning on their own? We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll actually kind of maybe learn a little bit from Force Awakens as to, as to what we can expect from Rebels, what the status quo of the world is. Now, granted, of course, with Han Solo being like, the Force is real, because you didn't know before. <laughs> like, right, right. That is a little bit suspect. Well, we're dealing with people who probably don't know. They're born into this universe. They don't know. But I, I got a quick question about Ezra. How old is he supposed to be? Uh, actually, Ezra shares the exact same date of birth as Luke and Leia. He was, was born on Empire Day. Whoa, 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 You mean like literally the exact same day? Yeah. The exact same day, the day the Empire uh, was formed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Ezra Bridger would be four, uh, 50 years old about during the time of The Force Awakens, if he's still alive. wonder if they would consider ever casting a live-action person to play that character. They might. <laughs> That, I mean, like, because I'm pretty sure they're not going to kill a kid on on a, on a TV, on a I family TV show. I would go a bit crazy if they did. And I, I got to admit, like, again, all this stuff, like, if if it's somewhere in the Force Awakens, they're they're like, uh, General Bridger, uh, you know, meet uh, meet these new characters. I'd be like, holy shit! And he had like gum in his hair, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's got a shaved head at that point. Who knows? Well, I mean, also, you know, it's a five year show, so if they have a five year plan to end at a New Hope. He would also be like 18 in the last season and, and technically wouldn't be killing kid if if he yeah. does like sacrifice himself to get the Death Star plans over to the Rogue One team or like, I mean, I guess by that point, the the, the connection wouldn't be as strong with Rogue One. But I actually, that's another thing too. <laughs> it's just, Rogue One is like this super gritty war movie and they're like, we need to hand this over and like, oh, we're going to die. We got to hand over the plants. Like we have to hand it over to a third party, this pirate ship hey. called like called the Ghost. And you're like, oh shit. And then like they dock with the Ghost. They open up, they open up the airlock door and literally it's just the CG character there <laughs> with his hand out. <laughs> <laughs> and like take it go warn the princess and like thanks <laughs> like the door yeah. slammed shut that was, that was a great chopper 
Fantastic. Which, by the way, I got to say so far, in the fight between BB-8 and, and Chopper for best new astromech, I'm going with Chopper. I nice. love Chopper. Chopper's got some, he's got some, he's scrappy. Oh, yeah. He's, and he's got some anger issues. <laughs> he's a safe bet. And I think he's seen worse days than R2 has. <laughs> well, I, actually, actually, that's based on uh, some uh, Hera short story stuff. I mean, be, you know, he's been with her for some, you know, the, the whole free Ryloth movement. And so, yeah, he's seen shit. Like, he's been a rebel since he was created. That's pretty uh, rad. That's pretty yeah. rad. Now, uh, one last note about Rebels. Matt, they, they actually, um, Rebels brought into play the first continuity error of the new canon that we know of, the first major one. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like it's one of those ones that it, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be the kind of retcon that we used to have in the old expanded universe, which is sad because they really made it seem like we weren't going to have to deal with this again. But in the Tarkin novel, which you know I found entertaining, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But you know, like it was it was interesting. They use a very publicly an interdictor cruiser to pull ships out of hyperspace, and and they've been around since the X Wing and Tie Fighter games, and they were used very heavily in the expanded old expanded universe. But they basically use gravity well projectors to both pull ships out of hyperspace and prevent them from going into hyperspace. So Tarkin uses it. They don't make a big deal about it. You know, they kind of like there is a, a whole thing where they said it is like relatively new technology and the fact that like, you know, they don't know if the test if, if they should be using it out of testing and things like that. But this is five years after Revenge of the Sith. Now, four years before A New Hope, they use an interdictor cruiser of the same type in Rebels season two. And the rebels act like this is something new. We've never seen this before. This is the craziest. I mean, we're talking a separation of like, a, I want to say it's like a decade at this point. Like they had to have known. I mean, it's, it was a very public, non-hidden thing that the Empire did in Tarkin. And then in, in Rebels, they just, I mean, this was just brand new thing. So I, I got to call that a continuity error. It is 100%. An, an error if the if the gravity <laughs> of um of both of those uh stories are to be believed there's no way they can coexist yeah and you know if it was a different type of ship but they were both referred to as the immobilizer which and, is, and and in the tarkin uh, novel they were using it like like it was just it was common well it did fail as if like it accidentally started sucking in ships towards the actual interdictor cruiser but it was because of sabotage but it was in one of the most popular systems like it was in uh yeah the obroa sky system that's like a big like sh- like shipyard system like it's very you know a big industrial hub so like it wasn't like a non public place they did it but they did but the, so. did the no- the novel didn't make it clear that it was like a known factor or that uh I mean, it, it certainly made it seem like interdictors had been around for a while. I mean, I and multiple maybe, ones, or just the same one, or you know, it was just the one they were using in that particular battle group. So I, mean, I, I got to imagine there's others. I, you know, it's 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 possible I missed something, and there's there is a connection there between Tarkin and and I also find it hard to believe because it was you know James Lucchino who wrote Tarkin, and I mean he's obsessed with 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 canon. I mean, he's just constantly pulling references from different uh, pieces of work and, and, you know, both in the old expanded universe and even in the current one. And maybe there is a plan for it. Maybe it's something that is, you know, they, they, they go back to formula or something because of kind of the botch job they did in the Tarkin novel with it. But I don't know. Well, Sabine did say that she'd heard about that when she was in the Imperial Academy. Did she? Interesting. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, maybe they, maybe after that use, they just... They stopped it until they could perfect it? Perhaps. Moving on to books. 
Now, uh, the with comic books, the Vader Down storyline, the crossover between the Star Wars and Darth Vader title is ongoing, um, and it's so far awesome. We had an incredible Star Wars annual with one-shot story written by Kieran Gillen that was the most authentic expanded universe story to happen from Marvel Comics so far. Like, as in, this, <laughs> there were no major characters in yeah, this, really. Cameo by Leia, but really, that's it. The main character is a rebel spy, one of a handful, deeply embedded in Coruscant. And it was just cool. It was just a cool Star Wars story. We'll probably see him again, but brand new character. It was awesome. I hope they continue it, because it's, it's a good start. It got me into his world. Yeah, I think we might see more of him in like the, uh, the, the story arcs following Vader down. Also, it, it's kind of uh, rare to see something from like a rebel spy point of view. Yeah, you know, like we've seen Imperial spies, we've seen all this other stuff, but like to see what are the rebels up to? What are the, what are they actively doing instead of just running from the Empire? So that was cool to see. Yeah, the, the Battlefront novel, which I'm just about to finish, and by the way, is great. I mean, that is a it's a great alternate genre take on. I mean, it's hard for me to describe. It's it's almost like uh, Thin Red Line taking place <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. Really? It's, 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 it's I, I think, very strong novel. I mean, that might be, like, a little too strong of a description, but I think people who have read it will understand what I mean. They kind of are, like, warrior philosophers. This is surprising to me because, I mean, Star Wars Battlefront, it's a game with no story. It's just like... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're, you're telling me that there's a novelization. Is it canonical that, that is really oh, yeah, good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's terrific. and And it's detailing the end of a... Apparently, after Yavin, as opposed to the old uh, timeline in which the rebels just went on the run until Hoth, the rebels went on a big offensive following uh, the Death Star's destruction. Yeah, and, which is backed but, up in yeah. the first story arc of Star Wars from Marvel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so now this Battlefront, uh, the Twilight Company, that's the name of the, this uh, tie-in novel. They um, they're currently in the retreat of from this campaign because they decided they had stretched too thin. And so Alliance High Command uh, orders a, a retreat from the various worlds that they've sieged. And it's kind of, you know, following this, this battalion of soldiers. And, and the perspective, the, the protagonist of the book, he comes from a backwater world that is very limited technology. And it was kind of like a warlike culture. So he decided just because these rebels had liberated his planet, this is the strongest people to fight for. I'm going to fight for them. So he doesn't know a lot about technology. He just knows how to fight. So it's a very, very cool perspective on on war and kind of just the the impact of being part of a unit and really terrific stuff. But it's really cool to see that the comics are simultaneously going into that big campaign that follows the Battle of Yavin. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds really awesome. It's been it's been terrific so far. Um, one last piece of comic news, the C-3PO one-shot comic that was going to tell the all-important story of how he got his red arm. How to get the red arm. Uh, it's delayed until February. What? Yeah, see, I, now I'm starting to think, like, maybe maybe Spoilers? I ought to wait to read that and then see Force Awakens in February. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you gotta get it in the right order. You gotta know why. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if I want to, like, it's gonna drive me nuts with that red arm. Well, or it was know. delayed. Until uh, after Force Awakens, because they decided, whoa, no, this is actually too sensitive. In, yeah, believe too it or not, spoilerific, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now I need to. Now I want to know more than ever. <laughs> Why has he got that arm? <laughs> um, there's a book coming out in April called Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, which is a particularly exciting anthology 
because it is from the great history of novels based on random characters from the Star Wars universe. And uh, like like Tales from Jabba's Palace, Tales from the Cantina, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, all those old books. This is a lot like that. And um, what particularly excited the State of the Empire crew was that there's a standalone story featuring who is sure to be the standout character of Episode 7, Constable Zuvio. I still I can't determine if you and Matt are serious or completely bullshitting about the importance of this character. Because Doug, I can't... Doug, Doug, Doug. I, I'm holding a Zuvio action figure I, right now. I know you are, but the, like the, the high impact that you're predicting for this, I'm like, I don't. How could you say that? I don't know anything about this guy. I'm telling. Okay, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell. You, I'll tell you why. Because why did he make si- the the first line of action figures? He's got to be huge. Battle droids were the first line of action figures for Episode but, One. But but, but 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 everybody was in the first. I mean, the the amount of to- the difference in the in the toy release is staggering. If you want to look at one and seven, uh, the the first preview figure for Episode One was indeed a battle droid, the stormtrooper of right of that. It, the first preview figure for Force Awakens was um, actually uh, the stormtroopers. Um, the second preview figure for Phantom Menace was Mace Windu, and he's barely in that movie. Constable Zuvio is probably going to be barely in this movie, but I'm telling you, he's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, he's going <laughs> to be just like how Mace Windu about. was. Ooh, oh, can't wait! Can't wait to see him get thrown out a window. We're we're talking we're talking about like even if he's not Constable Zuvio, we're we're starting the grassroots movement here because he's awesome. Yeah, he's des- he's going to be at least Wilro Hood Teak level. I'm talking about <laughs> teak like Teak level. Oh. <laughs> We're really reaching now. Whoa, whoa, cat! Let's take a step back. I don't know if I don't know if peak level is appropriate to be talking about yet. (laughs) Okay, so uh, you may have noticed that Constable Zubio is in fact um, highlighted as the the primary focus of our coloring book. um, I don't even know what color he's supposed to be. I don't even know like like what I I know so little about him other than the big hat, and you guys like him. You don't you don't look at that guy from all the preview pictures like the preview picture from I think it was like Empire Magazine or Entertainment Weekly thinking like damn that guy he looks cool he looks like he doesn't yeah. give a shit yeah he got a he got a freaking spread in Entertainment Weekly ah uh, I don't it didn't don't don't send me I'll well, see him in the film here, but I'll I'll see what attitude he has here's the proof Landry Q Walker's story from Tales from a Galaxy Far Far Away along with several other stories from that anthology are available as ebooks on Amazon right now for like two bucks. So I picked up High Noon on Jakku, mm. the classic Western tale of Constable Zuvio trying to have a nice goddamn day, and then shit gets real <laughs> fucked up. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it was great, Doug. It was super duper. He was everything I thought he was. <laughs> he's a hard man doing a hard job. He's got a, he's got a heart of gold, but goddamn if he doesn't scowl at you even if he likes you. Is he the law? Yes. Okay. He's the law, and he's got two constables, and they do a pretty good job of keeping the law, too. It's a solid story, uh, classic kind of like Western tale, but in this case, there's a, a gang of, of droids, and um, it was awesome. Constable Zuvio is the best. I'll say further comments for the blast stories. <laughs> Moving on to theme parks. Star Wars weekends are dead and gone. We're getting new Star Wars parks, so there's no more Star Wars weekends. But we do have... Season of the Force and Matt, you've been twice. Uh, I have. What can I you have. tell us about that? First thing I'm going to say is, for, uh, rest in peace, hyperspace hoopla. <laughs> I just, I just need to throw that out there. And uh, but as far as uh, uh, season of the Force, 
it's going on simultaneously with Disney's uh, holiday season, which is always just crazy busy and, and, you know, well done. But man, I have never seen Tomorrowland that packed. I mean, the amount of Star Wars shirts and and, uh, no costumes, but just like memorabilia and everything. I mean, everybody's really decked out. And so there's really not much going on in Tomorrowland, but they've added Jakku to uh, to Star Tours. And I've, I've ridden that three times. And it's awesome to see John Boyega like on the camera doing the, the classic Star Tours. What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> I, got like, I mean, that's got to be a dream come true to be able to, to record that line. Um, <laughs> Would be for me. <laughs> yeah. And the new Jakku segment is, is pretty cool. Probably got some of the best motion effects. Like it's definitely improved since the, the, uh, the last time they redid the ride. I will say the Falcon pulls a maneuver in that uh, segment that I am praying is not in the movie because I think it looks really dumb. And I have a feeling it is going to be in the movie. I don't know if that counts as the blast doors or not because it's pure speculation. But uh, ba- basically, the, the Falcon uh, and Star Tours are being chased by some TIE fighters. And, and Boyega tells you to, to keep low. And you're flying you know, in and out between the Star Destroyers and whatnot. Then all of a sudden, right before hitting uh, one of the Star Destroyer kind of created tunnels, the Falcon... Does it? I mean, it flips ninety degrees, pointed up on a dime. I mean, it just it comes to a stop, flips ninety degrees, faces up, shoots from the top cannon, the Tie Fighter chasing it, and then blasts off straight up. It looks terrible. It looks so beyond like the realm of physics. I know we're talking a science fiction movie. It's fine, whatever. But but it just looks bad. It it actually reminds me much more of like Serenity or Firefly than Star Wars. But anyway. Um, Next door is uh, in the Tomorrowland Theater where Captain EO used to be. Rest in peace. Uh, they have a uh, uh, like a 15-minute long movie called Path of the Jedi in which they thematically montage the six prior films. Whoa. Yeah. It, it, you know, obviously, it starts with the, the Alec Guinness uh, narration of the for, – for, you know, over a thousand generations, the Jedi guarded – you know. Uh, peace and justice in the galaxy and whatnot and it was cool to see like they montaged all the clone war stuff and and uh not not the clone wars tv show but you know like a uh, battle of geonosis and the battle of coruscant and kind of just went through the six films thematically you know all the romance and the swashbuckling and the you know everything that makes star wars great and after like 12 minutes of first of all being able to see things like empire strikes back in the battle of hoth like up back up on the big screen again you know i've only once seen them in a movie theater and that was the special edition and and see it and just like getting those feels back and also just remembering what it was like to go see the prequels in theaters like even if the movies themselves didn't live up to your expectations the experience itself of going to see a new star wars movie is still like you know it's all rushing back to you and then all of a sudden you know after you know, Luke Burns, uh, you know, does the, the, the funeral pyre for, for Vader, whether that was his armor or his body, it's still debated. All of a sudden, the screen goes black, and then you hear, there's been an awakening. And then they play the, the trailer again for Force Awakens. And, like, there's no better way to hype up that movie than that. I got to admit, both times I, I sat through it, I was, like, <laughs> bawling in tears by the end. <laughs> I just, like, it's, you know, it, and, and it does it for everybody. And I... I will say, out of all the things that they put together at, at uh, Season of the Force, I think that might have been my favorite, just for, for what it did. Um, they converted Space Mountain into Hyperspace Mountain, uh, which, if anybody's done any of their other conversions of, of Space Mountain, it, it, they can't do a lot, 
but they did add some projections of TIE fighters and X-Wings flying by you and uh, some you know, red and green laser lights going on. So you do kind of get the idea that you're in a dogfight. And then um, they have a kind of an exhibition where you can see uh, a lot of the props from the new movies and meet, meet Wookiees and meet Vader and, and buy some merchandise, of course. There's a lot of cool stuff, these BB-8 zippers, and you can get a pastry that looks like Darth Maul. And it's really good because it's made out of spicy chocolate. And uh, <laughs> you sent me a picture of that, and it, it looked like it looked both ridiculous and cool. And when you told me it was spicy chocolate, I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That was actually, I think, that was what I said after I tried it. I said, "Fuck." Um, yeah, season the fourth. You know, it's fun, and it does. It points to like really fun things in the years ahead for what they can do at Disney because I don't think it's going to be confined to just. Obviously, when Star Wars Land opens, but that's kind of their that'll be more part of what Disney's doing with like the sort of uh, the complete exposure experiences of like being on a planet. Whereas, like, when it comes to the more Earth based opportunities of Star Wars, like previewing the new movies, like, I mean, when they start putting like Rogue One props in and 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 rogue one trailers and adding rogue one to star tours like that's that's kind of what they'll be able to do all year and um it, you know it's cool and i i wish that disney world had that opportunity it's strange that it's confined to disneyland yeah, I'm looking for it. Yeah. so uh let's let's switch over to video games then uh so star wars battlefront the battle of jakku is out um, of course, the game doesn't really have much of a plot, but if you want to see what happened on the planet of Jakku as the Empire was falling, uh, you can kind of live a version of that. I haven't played it. Matt, have you played it? Oh, I've been playing it a lot. And I got to tell you, yes, the game is shallow, but you know what? If you're playing with five other friends and you jump on and you start doing Fighter Squadron, Fighter Squadron might be the most awesomely relaxing thing I've done in video games in a long time. It's fun with friends and the Jakku stuff is just really the potential of what they're capable of doing like atmospherically hmm. like there is so much going on in those skies and I haven't read Lost Stars yet I know everybody keeps saying that it's the probably the best piece of expanded or new new canon you know material out there but apparently people are able to identify which Star Destroyer is the one referenced in Lost Stars at the Battle of Jakku. Oh, so that's wow. pretty that's, cool. That's specific. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. yes. And uh, I know people feel very strongly about that book, and I cannot wait to read it. I'm planning to start it as soon as I see Force Awakens because I still have to finish Aftermath, which is terrible. And uh, I still have to, like the last couple chapters of Twilight Company, and I have to read Shattered Empire, and I just, I'm not going to get the Lost Stars, but I promise I will right after the movie. We'll link to where you can... Pick up Lost Stars on this episode's page, of course. Perfect. Uh, five out of five rating on Amazon and man. thousands of reviews. Man. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Star Wars Uprising, the other Star Wars game going on right now. It's a, it's a mobile role-playing game. It's free to play, and it's got a lot of good people writing on it. Now, um, our our own personal Bothan, Max Acree, has been chronicling his journey in Star Wars Uprising on the Nerdy Show forums. And uh, recently, very, very recently, they added a new aspect to the game because it was previously just about smugglers and criminals. Now you do have the option to explore force powers in the game. Uh, Is um, this going to be like the same thing that happened to star Wars galaxies? Well, I hope not. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to be bring that up by the way. An, an early consequence of sound tie in article was us discussing the history of star Wars video games. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't checked out that article, it was a blast to write and I'll, I'll, 
of us contributed to it. Uh, so basically, it goes through all the different genres of Star Wars video games. And and Doug, you you discussed the uh, the role playings. Yeah. Yes. Um. And again, that's another topic I could really go into because uh, I actually played Star Wars Galaxies when it came out. Have a lot of opinions on it, good and bad. Um. And I also played. Uh. I'm, I'm still currently playing. Uh. Star Wars: The Old Republic. Yeah. So uh, the the contrasting compare between those are. It's a lot to talk about. Now, with, with Uprising, there's force powers in the game. I assume they're somewhat optional, and lightsabers are apparently super rare. Well, I'd imagine so if it's just after Return of the Jedi. So uh, I hope they're you know showing some kind of restraint. But Max mentioned something that I hadn't heard in any of the press releases, which is they also have introduced a new currency, disks, that can be spent on various levels of contraband drops. But the two most expensive ones seem to be information about story. Uh, and, here, and here's these descriptions. Secret weapons of the noble court, which cost 500 holodisks. Inside the pack are various holodisks claiming to outline secrets behind the noble court's near miraculous survival against the Empire. Uh, it requires the mission Earl No More completed and a player level of 55 to do. Um, then the origin of Kohun, which is also a 500 holodisk um, item. Inside this pack are various holodisks detailing the supposed origin of the Death Sticks rise to power and the forming of the Kohun. The, the Death Sticks rise to power? Yeah. As in the thing you smoke? I guess so. Isn't that weird? Wait, so, wait is there a gang called the Death Sticks? I, that I, I assume are addicted to Death Sticks? I don't know. I the have de- no idea. The Death Sticks rise to power. Like the tobacco company's equivalent? I, I, you guess as good as mine. You have to. I think, uh, I, I, I think they think it's a cool name for a gang. I think yeah. that's what. The, yeah. We're the and cigarettes. I, 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 I hope it's led by the guy. Maybe he went home to rethink his life. Started the Desta gang. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, just the, the idea of Obi-Wan thinks this guy's scum. He needs to go home and rethink his life, but it backfires because, like, I should be running the gang. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, I don't know what the answer is to it, and uh, you got to be level 63. So uh, if you want to know what the hell this shit is, you, you got to really work for it. Um, hopefully, M- Max will uh, breach those very high levels and be able to report back to us if there's anything of significance behind Damn. I fell off. I, I fell off that game, man, because it was, it was just grinding. It, was, uh, it, was, it took a lot out of me. If you are happily playing Uprising, you should definitely join the Willow Watch cartel, though. Yes, definitely. Nerdy I'm still part crew. of the cartel. Yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all keeping it real, and we're, something else we're 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 actively involved in, far more actively involved in than uprising. Actually, ironically, because it's harder to play, Star Wars Battle Pod. Yes, the the amazing immersive arcade experience. If you, there's a Dave and Buster's in your town, chances are really good there's a Star Wars Battle Pod in there, and we have an ongoing battle to get the highest scores. It's an it's an incredible incredible immersive space shooter sim. I finally thrown my hat in the ring. I posted my scores. Collins posted his scores. So the only people in the ranking right now are myself, Doug, and Colin, um, because we have photographs of the scores and so on. But you, dear listener, can photograph your scores in Battle Pod and compete against us. None of us have gotten a three-star rating. We've tried. It's, it's tough. It's a hard game. It's yeah. a brutal game. So I, I love it, though. I love it. I have blown too much damn money on Battle Pod. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it costs a pretty penny, but uh, I, I still, I'm still number one on Hoth. So you guys like, oh, oh, you know, we got all this. Like, Colin's number one on this, Colin's number one. Yeah, but if we were all actually pilots, I'm the one making out at Hoth alive. That's all I'm saying. It's like the, the biggest rebel defeat. <laughs> and you guys wouldn't have made it, but I would have made it. 
That's what that that's 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 what I'm saying about. They that. say that level's medium, but I, it's fucking hard for me. It was hard, yeah, yeah, yeah it is hard. But You're, I got I got to get my shit together. I got to go back with like a like a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just just practice, practice, practice. Now there's actually some big news uh, for Star Wars and video games. We've just been mentioning the the fun fluff pieces. If you're a listener of all of our nerdy show programming, you may know that Epic Podcast, the nerd chat show that Schaefer the Dark Lord and Nelson Lugo do, is sometimes visited by a guy named Lucas Siegel. Now Lucas Siegel was formerly of Newsarama and is now of ComicBook.com and StarWars.com. Every time he's on one of their shows, and he does at least one a year, he comes there with some serious, serious intel of something that's like not just rumored, but like he knows. He's a guy who's got a lot of connections and he knows a lot. So he came into the most recent episode of PyCast with some serious intel. And uh, I'll start with the, the, the light stuff. Uh, the Sphero BB-8 is going to have AR holograms of Force Awakens characters just prior to the film's release. Cool. That's cool. And uh, there's a second new Battlefront being made that will have a single player. Good. I mean, yeah. j- just to explore those worlds, to have the opportunity to like be in them and not yeah. just Good. Com- combating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the big one. Star Wars 1313, it may be dead and gone, but not all of it is dead and gone. As we've speculated in prior episodes of State of the Empire, the game that Naughty Dog is working on, the Star Wars action game, is somehow related to the development of the dearly departed, never-released Star Wars 1313, where you're a bounty hunter, well, you're a, you're a smuggler or a bounty hunter uh, exploring the depths of Coruscant in the, the seediest level. Now, does this suggest that maybe it's just the same technology or the same game engine, or that, that it's actually still same game engine but still in 1313, or just 1313, not the game engine? Or what, what has been said is there were a lot of assets made for the game, mm-hmm. and this new game pulls heavily from those assets. Okay. We'll probably see it at next year's E3, but it could be a super brief teaser like we had for Battlefront the prior year. Which is basically nothing. Basically nothing. Um, it's from the dev studio from Dead Space 2 with people from Halo, Uncharted, and level designers from Assassin's Creed. The story is 100% canonical, and Siegel actually knows uh, what it is, but he isn't saying. Now, what's interesting about that is a couple weeks after him saying that on Epic Piecast, that was all confirmed by Kathleen Kennedy. Oh. So... Pay attention to the Nerdy Show shows. <laughs> get, it before, get it before she gets it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, she said a slash film that Lucasfilm was looking to, quote, explore some of the unused material developed for 1313 and the scrapped Star Wars Underworld television show, which we, as we reported in the past, related to that project. Mm-hmm. She says we don't... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
want to throw any of that stuff away. It's gold, and it's something we're spending a lot of time looking at, pouring through, discussing, and we may very well develop those things further. We definitely want to. And so far, no more mention of Boba Fett. So far. Uh, at one point, 1313 was... At late in the game. Yeah, very late in the game, Lucas requested it be turned into Boba Fett. Yeah. I think that the reaction to the original pitch for 1313 is what got people excited. There's a De- very yes, real definitely. chance... For me, it was, yeah. ...that we could see um, at least a, a version of what we were promised with 1313, an M-rated game of action-adventure set in the seediest locale in Star Wars history. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think uh, until they resolve what's going on with that post Josh Trank Boba Fett film, we'll see very little Boba Fett beyond like I would guess like uh like a, maybe a, a comic series. I don't think we'll, we'll see anything focused on him. And if they say seediest location in Star Wars, you know it's got to be bad because we saw the Rancor pit below Jabba's dais, <laughs> <laughs> and that's got to be nasty. I I, I want to see uh, Nar Shaddaa become cano- canonical again. You know, like seedy version of Coruscant. Like that's that's the, Vegas, like yeah. the entire planet is the yeah the the seediest portions. So that's that's I'm what sure I want. It will be because like again like with with most things from like uh, the old Republic and everything else, it's it's like Schrodinger's canon. You know. Yeah, I, I think everything exists that used to exist as far as like in existence. But uh, I, I would like to see it in like a very visceral, like new, like you know, just kind of like, hey, here is our vision for it. So thirteen thirteen would be a cool, like, or you know, thirteen thirteen ish game would be a cool way to do it. Maybe we'll see Narshada on Rogue One. <sighs> yeah, maybe. Actually, I don't think we we will see anything like that in a movie for a long time. I don't think we will see cosmopolitan built up planets. I feel like they're very focused on the outer rim and the frontier of what the Star Wars mythological if this was, you know, our planet, right. it's it's all away from from the power centers. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the well, obsession right now. Well, cuz it's reminiscent of the prequels. Yes. Well, exactly. That's a very good point. Uh, you guys ready to change gears a little bit? I mean, we're we're about to wrap up on what we can say without the spoiler walls being um, opened up. But uh, you guys ready for Willow Watch? I'm always ready for Willow Watch. Okay, so this is actually a huge Willow Watch. This is very important. Now... Our all Willow Watch episode, oh, it's happening really soon. Very, very, very soon. It's all a matter of editing because we have, in fact, we have, in fact, communed with Bob Dolman, the man who wrote Willow. And it is an incredible interview. It's like the most favorite interview that I've ever done with Nerdy Show. So the all Willow Watch episode coming extraordinarily soon. But in the interim, since we've recorded that, well... Ron Howard had some words to say about Willow. He did indeed. There was an AMA on Reddit for um, his new film, In the Heart of the Sea, and he was asked if he would ever consider making a sequel to Willow. Got to find out if that was one of anyone on Team Willow Watch on the Nerd Show (laughs) forums, because they've been pushing hard for it. Yeah, if not, I mean, like, man, that person deserves all the upvotes in the world. Yeah. He says, right now, the Lucasfilm team led by Kathleen Kennedy, who is an old dear friend, is entirely myopically focused in the Star Wars universe, as you can imagine. So I think the immediate possibility of another Willow movie is probably not in the front burner. But Warwick Davis is such a cool guy, and he's continued to evolve as a talent. Man, he's Willow. And a grown-up Willow could be kind of cool. So I'd say, never say never. Now that was a pretty enthusiastic response. 
Didn't expect to hear anything from Ron Howard, like, maybe ever. <laughs> so, Well, unless we interviewed him. True, true. I mean, that, well, that, that's all it would be about. It's like, yeah, all that aside, but let's cut to the Willow uh, talk right now. <laughs> and uh, that was the one that actually got press, I'm, I'm happy to say. Like, yeah. that, that got circulation, so good. We got to fuel the Willow zeitgeist, remind everybody that, oh, it matters. So never say never. Does that mean we have to raise the level? I think so. I think yeah. Like, when, when when the director of the film is saying "never say never," absolutely. If you're not familiar with how we do things on Willow Watch, we have a, a kind of a scale, much like the terrorist alert scale of colors, revolving around uh, transforming animals. Yeah, first it was the disappearing piglet. I can't keep track of this anymore. I thought disappearing piglet was second. Disappearing piglet was uh, first. Then it was reappearing piglet because he kind because he because he ran out of the bottom of the, of the trick that uh, Willow was doing. Can someone make us a graphic <laughs> so we can refer to it? Then there was a uh, transforming rock dove. So it was the rock that turns into the dove that, that the bird that mm-hmm. flies away. It's been as high as muskrat level. Once we learned, I, th- that- I think we went up to muskrat. Because after the muskrat, there was the the crow. The crow. So um, we maybe we may be up to crow level. Okay, I can I can live with crow level. I think this plus the thing I was gonna say with regarding Willow Watch about what we saw on Star Wars Rebels. I think that deserves it. Also, that's gonna put it up to crow level for sure. Yes, because outside of this Ron Howard deal here, there's been other nods to Willow in popular culture. As Doug just mentioned, there is a Willow reference in a recent episode of Rebels. It focuses around stealing babies, and it's dark and incredible, and it opens with a sequence that is very reminiscent of the opening sequence to Willow in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it features a baby named Alora with a little... Curly cue on her hair. Of, of red hair, yeah, coming yeah, yeah. out of her swaddled baby robes. Yeah. The silver-haired woman who's taking care of her says, oh, don't worry, Alora, we'll get you out of here soon. <laughs> and then the bad guys show up and like, where's the baby? And I'm just like, oh, wait, hold on. Like, I literally paused it, and I'm like... I, did I? Is this going where I think it's going? Rewound it, watched again, made sure I heard it right, and yes, indeed. That's according to Wikipedia. Alora is spelled differently, but it's the difference between it being with an E in Willow and an A in Rebels. Oh, give me a break! They, they said the name the same way. Yeah, I and mean, the other thing is uh, regular show their annual Halloween episode this year's Terror Tales of the Park. All the characters were dressed up in different pop culture outfits. Benson was Sherlock Holmes. Pops was uh, Tom Baker's Doctor Who. Ribby was in Bison. Mordecai was Bruce Lee's character from Enter the Dragon. Skips is Rambo. Muscle Man was Snake Plissken. And High Five Ghost was Willow Ufgood. Undeniably Willow Ufgood. Holding Chalindria's wand. Yeah. I think uh, there's enough of it in the zeitgeist out there. There's enough of it in the collective unconscious that uh, we got to move it up to Crow. I feel it. Willow yeah. watches at crow level, guys. This is a, an all-time high. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's keep the fire burning. Now, if you want to see pictures of that regular show stuff, we've got an article with a bunch of screen captures. It's awesome, and that show is great. That is not all Ron Howard said about Willow, actually. Oh, yeah? There was one less publicized mention where uh, someone asked, Ron, what film do you most wish you could make again and with more experience under your belt, or are you totally content in everything you've done so far? He says, well, I'm not totally content, although when I do have occasion to see sequences from my old movies... I can't remember the last time I actually watched one of my old films, to be honest, because I'm always looking ahead. I'm excited about what I'm doing and trying to solve all of that, but I'm usually pretty good about cutting myself some slack. You know, there are things about the movie Willow. As much affection as I have for it, and as much affection as fans have for it, you know, I would love to have a second chance with. Hmm. He goes on to say, George Lucas was so trusting. I was still fairly green. I always say it was a little like me doing my doctoral thesis working with George Lucas on that movie. And I think today I could make it even more dynamic. I could make it cooler. I could make the funny stuff funnier. But all that said, you know, Willow was a great experience, and I'm really glad it sort of lives in people's memory. Or younger people see it today and still find something to really like about it. Now, man, 
that quote combined with the prior quote from him. Yeah. Plus some of the stuff that you're gonna hear us talk about with Bob Dolman. Yeah. I guess it's giving me some hope. Yeah. It's it is possible. It is. It is re- <laughs> it is it is a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. So you guys know, if you love Willow, if you want to see more Willow, you gotta spread Willow Watch around. Because like, it's working. It's it is working. Keep it going. Post pictures dressed up as the characters or just tweet it at Warwick Davis. Trust us, you would not be the first to do that. When we, when we went to Celebration, <laughs> everybody that we talked to, we mentioned Willow at some point. So bring up Willow. Mention yeah. Willow in conversation. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and of course, when the Willow Watch episode comes out, spread it. Spread it like a virus. One thing I will say, it is actually going to be hard for you to watch Willow on Blu-ray if you haven't picked it up already, because that sucker is out of print. Damn. We were curious when the Blu-ray came out, well, this is weird. Disney's logo isn't on this anywhere. Do do they, in fact, have the rights to Willow? We found out, yes, they do. But what it must have been was that uh, Paramount was already developing the Blu-ray, and Disney said, hey, guys, go on, finish it up. It's the anniversary. This is the right time for it, but that's it. Mm -hmm. As a result, if you search for local Best Buys and Targets and so on, you might be able to find a copy. You might be able to track down a copy at a store somewhere. But if you're going on Amazon hoping to just buy it, you're going to pay those crazy prices of when people list something that's not currently available. Mm. It's like you want a $70 Willow Blu-ray? You got it. Damn. Basically, what I'm saying is if you didn't get that Willow Blu-ray, now is the time to search. Find it. Yeah. (laughs) This is your last chance until Disney actually makes an edition of it somewhere down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's going to conclude this Willow Watch, but a huge Willow Watch and a huger Willow Watch to come, a a full-length episode of Willow Watch, our first one we've been talking about forever. I'm so excited. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) Thus ends Willow Watch. Before we go, got to say a couple words about Indiana Jones, because we always like to discuss all the various Lucasfilm. uh, Part of the empire now. Yeah, yeah. Kennedy said to The Hollywood Reporter that there's, she's still trying to figure out when the right time to step back in is, that Harrison wants to do it, Spielberg wants to do it. They kicked around a couple story ideas. She actually said that they've actually gone that far, which is much farther than before, which is, oh, it could happen. But um, she thinks there will be one. She just, just doesn't know when yet. But this is the bigger piece. According to Spielberg, no one else is going to be Indiana Jones. Unless we're doing a flashback sequence. And he didn't say that. Those are my words, because, of course, it's happened well, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's certainly not my intention to ever have another actor step into the shoes in the way there have been many actors that have played Spider-Man or Batman. There's only going to be one actor playing Indiana Jones, and that's Harrison Ford. That's pretty cool of him to say. I just, uh, I mean, how many more movies has he got in him? I, I, I do not know. And I'd like to see Spielberg not direct. It's just, it's not his kind of movie anymore. Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember back when, um, when he released Lincoln, he basically said that he wants to retire from action films because he's, you yeah. know, he's he's not interested. He's he's an adult now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, he's he's got grandkids. Kind of he's a different human being from the young thirty-something that made Rares of the Lost Ark. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I'm only interested if he is genuinely interested. And if he's just doing it because, oh, you know, it'd be fun to make Indiana Jones. It's like, no, you gotta have like the the fuego. You know, like you gotta make gotta get the passion back in if you want to make something crazy action packed. But you know, I mean, I'm curious where they're gonna take it. So for a lot of folks, this is going to be where we part ways. Of course, we, we still got some stuff to say. For example, mm-hmm. one, remember that coloring contest. You got over a month to do it. So uh, we're going to keep reminding you here on State of the Empire. But uh, do it. Have some fun. Win some fabulous and strange prizes. And um, be sure to check the uh, contest page periodically for any updates or expansions to what we are able to offer. But if you're in Orlando, where a lot of nerdy show is based out of, uh, then 
you may want to decompress with us post Force Awakens. Ah, uh, yes. With the Star Wars Force Awakens after party at the Geek Easy, which is the hidden bar and lounge in the back of a comic shop. It's going to be a blast, and Doug and I are going to be the hosts of that show. Hooray! Sci Fried, amazing nerd rock band who you may know is actually the house band for the Star Trek convention this year, mm-hmm. the big one. They're going to be playing a whole Star Wars themed set. There's going to be a costume contest. We're going to be doing a different coloring contest at that event as well. Nice. And there's prizes including a signed Star Wars poster, signed pictures and toys, etc. I believe all this stuff is coming from SciFried, and I've seen their digs, and they got some opulent nerd treasures there. Okay. So this is these prizes are no joke. So if you're in Orlando, or you just want to be in Orlando, <laughs> come to this party Saturday, December 19th, 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. We're going to be there hosting it. Talking about, well, all Star Wars. Maybe uh, Doug's going to be delivering some hard truths, maybe. Uh, we'll see yeah, what happens. Can, yeah, maybe I'll make... Uh, you know what? Depending, I may do uh, an updated version of the of the classic hard truth. Doug's hard truth, of course, being that uh, Jar Jar Binks is a better character than Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we have uh, video proof. Uh, we'll link to it on this episode's page. Now, uh, we mentioned, of course, a lot of Star Wars products because what is Star Wars if not merchandising? And uh, anything that you can buy on Amazon, we'll have linked to on this episode's page. Because if you buy stuff through Amazon, through Nerdy Show's links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, we get some kickback. And that is a wonderful gift to give to Nerdy Show. We're entirely listener supported. So if you want to hear more State of the Empire or Willow Watch regularly, then um, do what you can to support us. Easiest way to do it is to buy stuff on Amazon. But also, if you'd like to give us that money directly, an IV directly into the pulsating arm of State of the Empire, our good lightsaber-wielding arm that's not going to get cut off, <laughs> we hope, <laughs> then you can also back us on Patreon, become a subscriber there, get all kinds of extra perks, including behind-the-scenes State of the Empire stuff, lots of outtakes, extended discussions, or uh, just shoot us a one-time donation. And with that, you can send us a message, like about Willow Watcher, Star Wars, what you think of the movie, for example. If you want us to share your thoughts on that or ask us a question that we can briefly answer, go for it. Those options are all available to you, and there's a full comprehensive list of ways to support us at nerdyshow.com slash support. So for those of you who are leaving us now, it's been a true pleasure. And if you get the chance, check out the clip of Carrie Fisher on Good Morning America promoting uh, The Force Mm. Awakens. Amazing. She's amazing. (laughs) She is amazing. She really is. If you haven't seen that clip, just check it out. It's hilarious, and it's worthy of multiple rewatches. So yeah, so if you're leaving us now, just go watch that now, and uh, it'll put a fine cap at the end of this episode. And of course, stay tuned, because if you're looking to hear what we think, we'll be ready for you as soon as humanly possible. I'm talking about like, if I have the fortitude for it in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. there will be a State of the Empire released later this week. So the next time they hear from us, we'll have seen the film. Yeah. And that is all we're going to be talking about. I have I just, oh, craziest goosebumps just now. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. This has been really fun, I got to say. Oh, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> it's, it's been a beautiful journey. Like, even if it was just us getting together every month or so to talk about Star Wars, even if this is a smoldering yeah. disaster. It'd be worth it even just that, yeah. 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 We've had some good times on this show. Yeah, really have. So, so with that, uh, open the blast doors. Yeah, it's time to open the blast doors. Guys, thanks for listening, and uh, for those of you sticking around with us, well... Here we go. Yeah, get ready. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Man, there's so much stuff that happened in these trailers. Mm-hmm. Let's just, like... <laughs> All this stuff, all this stuff, and I know there's so many people who have actually, you know, who've put up walls of like, I'm not going to absorb any more spoilers. I don't want to see anything anymore. But I mean, I'm hooked on this. I'm hooked on State of the Empire. Mm-hmm. When I see this movie, and if it ends up being the way we think it is, it's a double edged sword. 
Well, I, I feel like it's going to be like seeing an amazing adaptation of a story that we've been like you privy know, to already. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I don't know about you guys. A lot of people, you know, I keep saying like, no, I've generally known the course of this movie for about, si- what, like six months now probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like they say like, has it ruined it for you? And quite frankly, like I read the novelizations to the prequels before they came out. They were usually released a month ahead of time. And quite frankly, I'm one of the few people that likes those movies. So like – I don't think it's ruining because it gives us more exposure. Like, like we just get to enjoy the presentation of it instead of worrying about the ramifications because we know the ramifications. I well, agree with that completely. I would, except I had episode one spoiled for me and it did affect my enjoyment of the movie. Hmm. You're talking about Qui-Gon's Noble End? Yeah, but not even just that. Basically, I'm going to school and episode one's about to happen and I'm like... Even before the prequels were announced, I was wearing Star Wars shirts. I was picked on for wearing Star Wars shirts. So, you know, but I didn't give a shit. Well, I did care, but I acted like I didn't give a shit. (laughs) But so I'd be wearing my Star Wars shirts. I think it's like the week of release or like the week before. Either way, it was really soon. It was about to happen. I had an episode one shirt. It was a black shirt that was Darth Maul fighting Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And it just said episode one on it, The Phantom Menace. And like, that's it. I was getting back from lunch and my teacher at the time, who I think was my, my geography teacher, he's a normal cool dude, you know, really wasn't trying to ruin the movie or anything. He, like, somehow had a friend who saw the film early because I guess he was, like, a projectionist or something like that. He was like, oh, my buddy saw the movie, and he told me all about it. He says it was good. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. He told me, uh, like, with the sh- I see the shirt you're wearing. He told me that the bad guy kills Obi-Wan's master, that guy, because he gets separated by, like, a laser wall. And then um, Obi-Wan, like, when the laser wall, you know, flips up, then Obi-Wan comes out and he cut, and he, like, he cuts him in half. And I'm just like, oh. And I just, at the time, I thought, well... Why the fuck would he do that? Well, Why the well, fuck would he... I, well, because he thought he was, like, giving me some, like, inside info that was, like, really hip and cool, you know, or whatever. But, like, at the time, I remember thinking he could be completely bullshitting me. You know, like, like this guy's just saying this to sound like he has some inside info. Because why would somebody just tell me that, you know, but whatever. But anyway, I go see the movie, and then there I see the laser walls, and I'm just going, oh, no. Because I just knew <laughs> that it was about to happen. And it just, and then, but and on top of that, even before the laser wall thing, the soundtrack, we've talked about this before, Qui-Gon's Noble End. Uh-huh. And it's like, what the fuck? So I see that, then I go see the movie, it's just without, you know, so there, it just, it, I just knew it was going to happen, and I sat there, and then I heard the audience's reaction around me, people who didn't know it was going to happen. And they were shocked. And then, like, when Obi-Wan slices uh, Darth Maul, they're like, yeah! And then, like, Darth Maul falls apart. And it was like, woo! Like, because he, he wins. And I'm just like, I knew it was going to happen. And so that's, so that's you, it. Yeah, you know, Doug, you've kind of convinced me. Yeah, I can see how knowing sort of ruined that aspect for it. But if, for example, Han Solo dies the way I think he's going to die, I don't think it's going to lessen that experience. Because for me, it, it's a known factor that this hero could die on screen. Yeah. But it's not going to mean a damn thing to me until I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I guess I didn't have it spoiled by the soundtrack. I had it spoiled by reading the novelization. So, like, I still did have that moment while reading that I was like, <gasps> you know, like, I can't believe Qui-Gon. Like, I, I didn't believe it at first. Hmm. I had it personally, not in a theater. Well, and I guess at the end of the day, we're past the blast doors now. So, it's like, it, all signs are pointing that Han Solo is going to die. But we don't know that. <laughs> you know, it's like could still not happen so that's why it's like it's it, it is a spoiler and it isn't these sources we I, really don't know we honestly just don't know you know there's been a lot of preview screenings and and lucasfilm's doing this weird thing where they're having celebrities watch it and like give their you know like kind of tweet that like oh yeah it was totally good yeah da, 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 whatever like it, it's weird 
but that is weird. Somebody, I, I mean, I just saw it on Reddit right before we started recording, so I don't know. Apparently, a very uh, well-respected forum poster on another site said he saw it and started answering questions. And one of the questions was, does Luke, Leia, and Han, do they have a reunion together? And the answer was like, yeah, kind of. And so I started to think about what that meant. And I started to realize like, oh, okay. So like, the, as we understood it, as far as how you know, the general thought of the flow of the film goes, is that Han and Luke don't meet up. But if you remember that leaked photo of Luke from a couple months ago, it looked like he was filming sort of like, you know, it looked like a a possibly, yeah, exactly, a hologram. So maybe Han and Luke communicate. Maybe it's like, hey, I need you to get these kids to me or whatever, you know, you have the lightsaber or whatever. I need you to get it to me. And so they do have a conversation, but it's via hologram. Or Hmm. like a pre-recorded message, maybe. Possibly. Like Luke saying where his coordinates are. Like, if anyone, he would trust that with Leia. Be like, Mm -hmm. Leia, don't open this, but if shit hits the fan, open this up. And it's just like, greetings, exalted one. You know, like that that kind of, you (laughs) know what I'm saying? And then, uh, uh, you know, just sort of uh, telling them where he is and stuff. Now, we've been back and forth on who dies in this movie. And the consensus is someone dies because that's where the gravity of everything is. We know for sure, actually, that Boyega and um, Oscar Isaac are coming back. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're officially in episode eight. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is which, which is new. Which removes the last possible big surprise I thought could be in this film, which was somehow Boyega not making it out of it. Not that I ever thought that was really a possibility. We discussed this, but I did think that, you know, that would be the only really big surprise they could pull on us. Now, MillenniumFalcon.com, they published a shooting schedule recently that confirms basically the outline of the movie that we proposed based on other outside sources months and months ago. Right. So uh, I guess we'll get to that. Let's confront the trailers, what we've seen so far. We've seen great moments between Han and Finn and Han and Rey. In many cases, like literal torch passing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you ready for this? Hell no. And him handing Rey the blaster. You're going to need this. And mm-hmm. she's like, I know how to use a blaster. He's like, that's why you're going to need it. Or yeah. whatever. I forget the exact line. There's a stormtrooper capable of combating a lightsaber, which yeah. is crazy. BB-8 tells Rey that where he comes from is classified. And Rey says, me too. And also says that she's waiting for her family. Hmm. We see Rey at the mercy of Kylo Ren. We see that the military demonstration where all the First Order stormtroopers turn around, they're turning around to so face... Witness looks like the first uh, fire demonstration of Starkiller Base. Yeah. We've seen Maz Kanata a little bit the first time. She says that she's lived long enough to see the same eyes in different people and tells Rey, I know your eyes. There's either Nim Nyum or another Celestian in the cockpit of an X-Wing. We see Poe being tortured by Kylo Ren. And uh, in the most recent trailer, an amazing trailer for China, mm-hmm. is it like one of the best they've done so far, we see the mm-hmm. Falcon crashing in the snow. Mm-hmm. It might survive. In fact, if what we see is to be believed, it does. It's just a little bit banged up. Mm-hmm. In toys, there's a recent spoiler in an action figure that's actually making around to stores, but Disney is actually issuing cease and desists to websites posting a picture of this action figure. And so you can buy it, you just can't talk about it? Right. <laughs> And it's Ray parentheses, resistance outfit, and it's her with a lightsaber. She mm. comes with a lightsaber. The illustration has her holding a lightsaber. Specifically, the Anakin Skywalker lightsaber. So this is probably like a end of the movie sort of thing? Third act, at least, but it's hard to say. Because um, I thought that the, the confrontation in the snowy forest was third act. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly Finn's got it there. So I, I don't know. It might be Finn very hurt that she's crying over in the trailer and then mm-hmm. she takes up the saber. And in fact, Finn having a, a serious injury is actually a factor 
Like it's been that's been confirmed. Like he does almost die hmm. or something. And I say confirmed. Confirmed is in all the other like seedy sources that we've been sourcing from. Mm-hmm. But it's all there. Oh, by the way, I, I think that that Ray thing with the season desist is really funny considering that there's a Duracell commercial that shows a young girl dressed up as Ray wielding a lightsaber pretty right. freely. Right. But making StarWars.net, I haven't known them to take stuff down, but uh, they posted some pictures from a uh, Star Wars Young Reader book or books, and it's gone. It's not there anymore. But I can tell you what we saw, and that is the, the first appearance of Max von Sydow's character. And it's a big deal. He, a very venerable actor, an awesome dude who was in like the early script reads, the press photography of yeah, yeah. Force Awakens, but he has not been shown at all. No, no press, no nothing. And he was not wearing Boba Fett's armor or anything that suggested. <laughs> if he was he old was Boba <laughs> Fett, he wouldn't look like Boba Fett. Anyway, his character's name is Lor Senteca. And uh, there's a photo in this, um, in this early reader book. The actual first place that he was seen as was suspected is on the cover of a Star Wars Look and Find book, basically a Where's Waldo for The Force Awakens. So they get the director of Star Trek, then they got a character named Lore. What else is going on? <laughs> and clearly he loves Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't? <laughs> so here's, here's this, this picture of Von Sydow and Oscar Isaac in what I assume is a hut on Jakku, and Sydow's handing him what looks like maybe is a, a necklace or something, which we could assume are the Starkiller plans. Right, it's like it's a it's like poetry. It'll bring you good fortune. <laughs> uh, so it says, one day Finn and his team went on a mission. An old man had secret plans that could hurt the First Order. This is an early reader thing, mm-hmm. remind you. The man's name was Lor Senteca. The stormtroopers needed to find him. The stormtroopers destroyed the village where Lor was hiding. Finn chose not to fire at the people in the village. Finn did not like being a stormtrooper. Finn wanted to help people. It's so ripped out of those spoilers that we've known for so long. Like, there's no way that they're wrong about any of the major beats by this point. Yeah. I mean. The other one we have is a bit less revealing than that, but it's interesting. And it's photos of Finn and Ray and BB-8 in the storage hatch in the Falcon wearing um, breathers. And it says, inside the Falcon were Ray, a young scavenger from the planet Jakku, Finn, a former First Order stormtrooper, and BB-8, a small droid with a big secret. The three, <laughs> the three quickly hid as someone or something boarded the Millennium Falcon. Two figures, a human and a Wookiee, walked through the Falcon and quickly discovered Finn and Rey. Where'd you get this ship? The man asked. Rey explained it was on Jakku and has been stolen several times. Well, Han Solo just stole back the Millennium Falcon for good, the man said. That's that. That's mm-hmm. what we got. So there are actually other pages as well. Those are the ones that... Uh, we had the foresight to, to hold on to. I mean, I'm sure they're scattered out there on the internet. Nothing dies out there. But they're not where we found them originally. <laughs> Maz Kanata, Lapidan Nyong'o's character, is pretty interesting because she's taking on what's clearly a Yoda role. Abram says her history is that she was a pirate for a long time. She's lived over a thousand years. She's had this watering hole for about a century. It's like another bar you'd find in a corner of the Star Wars universe. So weird, prophetess, semi-immortal lady... Hanging out in a realm of scum and villainy. Clearly a fan of pod racing. <laughs> Especially circa, you know, uh, what? Buta Eve? Yeah, 60 <laughs> years ago. Like. <laughs> We've also got some details, a very sparse, on Supreme Leader Snoke, Andy Serkis' character, who's motion captured. He says he's severely damaged. Although he's a powerful leader, he comes across as vulnerable, very scarred and disfigured. I know what that means. I bet you that means he's got tattoos across this forehead that say damaged. 
<laughs> God. I mean, we, we, we don't know what, what he looks like exactly. That has still not been breached. Snoke is still actually the thing most shrouded in mystery about this entire movie, hmm. which is weird. Um, right. There was an observation, Matt, that you had pertaining to the character posters we mentioned earlier in this episode where they have things covering their eyes. Yeah, I'm wondering if that is Finn's major injury, is that he might be uh, losing an eye. I just, thematically, like, arms, maybe J.J. thinks arms is too obvious because it's just carried over for six freaking films, but it maybe that's the new one. It's very strange that they're all covering an eye. Or it's just all of them are referencing the Illuminati. (laughs) That's the the more obvious conspiracy theory. (laughs) Now, to the end of Qui-Gon's noble end... You may have seen the back of the of the soundtrack floating around, actually, uh, but with uh, improbable titles like Flight of the G-Wings and uh, Grave of a Calrissian. <laughs> that, of course, is a fake. <laughs> and there's there's plenty other ridiculous things. We'll, we'll, we'll post that picture in this episode's page. I, I love it. There are some people like, I don't want to see it. Why'd you post that? I don't want to see it. It's like, <laughs> no, trust me. Just read it. <laughs> just read it. No. No, I'm not going to read it. What's wrong with you? They're really <laughs> scarred by that... Uh... <laughs> By that soundtrack, I actually felt more scarred by the Django Fett toy. Right, yeah, that was definitely the more (laughs) jarring of the two. (laughs) But we actually do have what appears to be the official track list. It goes a little something like this. Main title and attack on the Jakku village. The scavenger. I can fly anything. Which is talking about Ray because apparently she's a damn good pilot. Even though I don't, doesn't seem like she's been. Even though she grew up in a desert. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, so did Luke. Yeah, so did Luke. But he had a T-16 and Ray doesn't have one of those. (laughs) But maybe I'm wrong. Ray meets BB-8. Follow me. Ray's theme. The Falcon. That girl with the staff. The Wrath Tars. I don't know. I have no idea what that is. Finn's Confession. Maz's Council. The Star Killer. Kylo Ren arrives at the battle. The Abduction. Han and Leia. March of the Resistance. Snoke. On the Inside. Torn Apart. Hmm. The Way of the Force, Scherzo, for X-Wings. Which I, I think there's a similar track like that on the Last Crusade soundtrack, like, uh, I think, or is it Staccato or Scherzo for Motorcycle? So I think that might be a reference to Last Crusade. The, or the style of music it's, it is, yeah, something yeah. to that effect. Farewell and The Trip, and The Jedi Steps and Finale. Once again, mirroring exactly all the beats that we've been seeing again and again. As Matt so famously said in the past, it's not what happens, it's why it happens that we don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to brace myself for emotional whiplash. You know what I'm saying? Like, seeing Han being like, oh my fucking God, he's alive. It's happening now. And then to have to have him taken away within the span of like an hour and, tw- and 20 minutes. I'm just saying, if you're a grief counselor, if that's your occupation, you're going to get a lot of new clients. <laughs> for me, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, boy. John Williams written a handful of themes for the characters, including uh, Ray, Kylo Ren, and Poe, along with what he calls a, a major march piece for the Resistance and a choral fanfare for Supreme Leader Snoke that's uh, inspired by a Kipling poem, which he translated into Sanskrit. Huh. But now that we've heard that little sequence of events, if you want to look at the whole thing, I will refer you to MillenniumFalcon.com, where they have what appears to be the shooting schedule, and they refer to everything by cute names generally. Things like Magic Mountain and Enchanted Forest. I'm, I'm not kidding. Which you would think might discredit it, but I think actually maybe adds a certain level of realism to it because they're speaking in broad, weird terms and not the actual nature of it. As soon as this came out, I looked to the end to see if it, if it actually did do what we thought it was going to do, and it does. 
This is scene 314. Starkiller base, very top of ramparts. Finn and Rey alive at top of ramparts. See last of X-Wings fall. Starkiller base, control room. Hux hears X-Wings are done. Prepare the catapult. Resistance base, map room. Desolation, all is lost. Catapult fully ready. Catapult being one of the long rumored names for the rebel superweapon. Starkiller base, ramparts. Han Solo hides, then decides to reveal himself to Kylo Ren. Mm. But you gotta wonder, why would he do that? Are, are they going to have a, a, a discussion because mm-hmm. they know each other? Ramparts, upper levels. Finn and Rey and Chewbacca stop to watch what's happening below. Back to the ramparts. The conversation comes to a sudden end. Mm. Resistance base, map room. Leia has felt what has happened at Starkiller base. This is a lot like uh, Obi-Wan and the Death Star. Yeah. It's poetry. It rhymes. Starkiller base ramparts. Chewbacca lets rip at Kylo Ren. Stormtroopers turn on Finn and Rey. They run. So the movie ends with Han dead, Finn injured but hanging out with the Resistance, and Rey and Chewie take the Falcon to go see Luke. And that is the end of the film. They go to the, quote, Magic Mountain, and she climbs the stone steps towards the, quote, Ticket Booth, because everything's got weird fucking names. Ray finds Luke, gives back what belongs to him, and that's it, finito. So that's what we know. I think it's real. I think it's real, too. Just, ugh, emotional whiplash. Now, there's one other thing, though, and that is there's a recent interview with Mark Hamill where he said there's a secret that he alone is being paid to keep, that there's, like, money that he will not get if the secret goes out because they'll know that the leak was him. Hmm. He, he, he talked about how the I am your father line, the whole shoot was staged differently. It was Obi-Wan yeah. killed your father. And then, uh, then uh, yeah, there, there were several different versions. There was Obi-Wan killed your father. Obi-Wan was your father. Right. Like they said it several different ways. And then they dubbed in the actual final one. Yeah. The only one who actually knew what he said was Mark Hamill. And, and he was told on the day. Yeah. Yeah. And he kept it. Yeah. He had the interview's fucking hilarious. He like Her- we were watching the, the film and Harrison leans down and he's like, You never told me that. And he's like, <laughs> I, 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 they told me not to, to keep it a secret. Like, also, he says he was he was worried that people would be like, he's kind of overreacting for like for what he's hearing, but it's like, no, because what he was hearing was actually much worse. Yeah. So apparently there is a secret that big that is being kept. And I believe that there's under those circumstances, if he's legitimately comparing it to that incident, there's no way in hell that it would be something that we know about already. Like, it's... Mm. Just, it's well, yeah, well, many things we've no speculated, yeah. like, out of, out of the State of the Empire, but that there probably wouldn't have been nothing in the shooting script. Could it legitimately be as simple as the obvious suggestion that Daisy Ridley is his daughter? I, that, yes. Yes. Could be, but I would hope not. Because it's like, it's plain uh, as day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be way too big of a fucking coincidence, though. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's something like... Once again, the lineage of the Skywalker legacy. Like, like really, we're going, we're we're playing that game again. Just well, I'm, it, it's interesting that you say that because on the one hand, I would say, well, yeah, Doug, that's the point. the 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 mainline movies are about the Skywalker legacy. That's the story. That's why they're they're numbered. They, they all fit together. However, Lucas's quotes, kind of the the semi disparaging quotes he had about the new films, actually sort of spoke to maybe that they were doing something differently. He said. People don't actually realize it's actually a soap opera and it's about the family problems. It's not about spaceships. So they decided they didn't want to use those stories. They decided they were going to do their own thing. So I decided, fine, I'll go my way. I'll let them go their way. Implying that the soap opera of the Skywalkers or whatever Lucas was aiming for 
was being discarded. Hmm. But I don't know how to read that because I feel like it's so. Is it so? So we're saying that this big secret might be. Oh, not only is Rey Luke's daughter, but Kylo Ren is Han Solo's son. It's like, so literally, the offspring of Skywalkers are changing the fate of the entire fucking galaxy. Didn't Abrams recently say that when it came to like things like midichlorians and stuff like that, he didn't think it was it should just be some like genetic trait passed down, right? So like you know he might be rewriting the whole idea of what, and I actually kind of like that better. It's actually something I hadn't really considered in a very long time because of the way things had gone. It's just like the assumption that if you're giving up an infant to the Jedi Academy in the prequels that, you know, you were just an untrained Jedi yourself, you know, just living out in the world. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe it is just kind of a thing that pops up. But they're not really helping things by making both Kylo and Rey so intimately related. And also, is cousins as is that as engaging as siblings? Like, I would be surprised. I don't know. I really hope that there's just no sibling-cousin connection between our main hero and villain. Can't we just have a villain who's just a bad guy and really doesn't have to know them, you know? Or like, oh, I, I know see- the secret. I'm really your cousin, you know? Yeah. See, I want either brother and sister or no relation between Ray and Kylo. I want it to be close or I want it to be nothing. And I would rather Ray be the daughter of uh, Han and Leia than... Yes than Luke and someone else, unless the very end is she's going up the steps to Magic Mountain to the ticket booth, and he's she hands over the lightsaber, <laughs> and she's like, you're my dad, aren't you? And he's just like, yeah. And she's like, who's my mom? And he's just like, well, I'll tell you about her. But for now, I'll just tell you it's her like, name, Mara That's Jade. a story. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. snap! <laughs> because we have to think, cut to credits. Mark <laughs> Hamill is in this movie for like a hot minute. Right. He's not in it at all. But he knows something no one else can know. Right. And if it was a simple thing of, of who Ray Mara is. Mara Jade. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating like what could that secret be i don't i don't fucking know and like <laughs> the only thing worse than mara jade would be uh this is a throwback that I, i'm sure matt will get is um arden lynn it's like your mother's name was arden lynn <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and so fans like me be like wow. what the fuck like, yeah. of, all, of all people like that makes no sense but it's like why reach back to that <sighs> I really, really don't know. If your dad was Luke Skywalker and your mom was Arden Lynn, you would be a badass. Well, yeah, you would be. <laughs> hey, guys, I've been racking my brain over here. Who the hell are you talking about? Arden Lynn is the most obscure nobody fucking character from Masters of Tarascazi, an awful video game. <laughs> who <laughs> the, was the, the fighting game? Yeah, who and she was the master of Tarascazi, like the fighting style. So she's like the female <laughs> Bruce Lee of Star Wars who has like some force sensitivity. That would be pretty sweet. And had, yeah, and, and had and, like a gauntlet hand that could block a lightsaber, kind of like what we see the Stormtrooper do. In the... And she was from a much, much, much earlier era of the Star Wars galaxy, but she was like frozen in carbonite or something like that. And then so like her like reemergence during the era of the original trilogy was like a big deal, I guess. Well, a big deal for the video game. It wasn't yeah. a big deal like <laughs> for no one else. But, no one else. But she the was the, and she is, was the only person who knew Tarascazi in the game. It's Masters of Tarascazi. She's the only one who knew how to fight that stuff. Yeah, well, what what's interesting about that though is like that concept really reverberated through the entire expanded universe because it kind of like gave a lot of insight into the pre-Republic era of the Force. And, I mean, it ended up being, like, a big-time, you know, legacy thing. I mean, I could go on forever. Yeah. That's the gist of the Force Awakens stuff that we know going into it. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. Even if it plays out exactly as we believe, it's not going to be the same as seeing it. And the more I see these mm-hmm. trailers, the more I watch these trailers, that I'm so excited for this. Like, this looks so good. It looks so good. And I'm excited to see these pieces come together because I'm actually pretty okay 
with what we know about. You know, like there's some things that are troubling that I can't change, like the fact that the the main weapon is, well, giant hurt ball three. Um, yeah, at, at the third it could be done well. It could, I mean, you know, it could be, but the simple fact remains that in the Star Wars timeline, it goes Death Star, no Death Star, Death Star, Death Star again. Yeah, like there's a lot of Death Stars in a row and a lot of secret plans. And frankly, the circular nature of the story, I feel, needs to be more subtle than, all right, so we've got the new Death Star plans, and uh, here's another Death Star, and then after this, we're going to follow it up with a movie about stealing the Death Star plans. What? Yeah. No. Yep. So I'm the, hoping the, something the, the problem with the whole adherence to the whole Joseph Campbell-style myth-telling is the insistence that it needs to be repeated for like every single movie. When but, it's it's a, like, but that's no, the thing. When you take it at face value, yes. But when you actually know what you're talking about, no, you don't. That's well, and then also once once that hero's had his call to action and, and gone into action, that doesn't mean things repeat. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, Look there at are, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, yep. like the, you know? It's, yeah, there are Campbell-level things to uncover about what happens after. And I think we're too afraid to explore that region. And so we, we get giant hurtball three. But uh, we'll we'll find out in less than a week, which is insane. Oh, this has no, been such a long journey, it. Yeah. and it's a journey that because <laughs> it's not over. The, thanks to Disney, State of the Empire is going as long as you're listening. Like, and I, and Cap, we're seeing it together, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my wife Nina with me, and I just know if I'm sitting, I'm gonna be sitting between you guys, and if there's a moment where they're trying to escape Star Killer Base, and Han is like, Chewie, you get the kids back to the Falcon. I'm gonna distract him. I'm gonna I'm gonna compulsively reach over and just grab your arm, <laughs> like say, like I, I know, and then, yeah, and Nina's gonna be like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like 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 mm-hmm. like what's something I don't know? Yes, there's something you don't know. <laughs> like there's something awful is about to happen, <laughs> and I don't know if, I, if I'm ready for it. I'll squeeze your hand. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, uh, make it all all the blood will squeeze out of it, <laughs> or we just be like. Don't go in there, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, get I'm, killed. I'm I'm worried about the ramparts. Like once I see something that can be, yeah, like, you're like, oh, that like looks like a rampart. Rampart. Oh fuck. Like, like. Here's some stuff I that I didn't know if it was considered too spoilery to be in the main stuff. Vader could be in Rogue One. I kind of hope he is. Just in I a, hope so, you know, too. because that's the ultimate raising the stakes. You yep. steal the plans. The Empire's after you, and then like, oh, we send it, we're gonna send the shadow troopers after them. Oh, they weren't able to get them. They escaped. It's like, what do we do? It's like, dude, Vader's gonna be fucking pissed. Just mentioning Vader's gonna be pissed. We gotta we gotta do it. And then just when you least suspect it, the call comes in, it's like, I'll take it from here. And then it's like, oh no, you see the hologram of Vader, and then just like the tie advance comes flying out or whatever, or just him walking down a hallway and he's just like, you know, you fucked it up. He chokes the big bad guy that's been after him this whole time. Then Grandma Tarkin walks in, and then Vader's there, and they're just like we're going to take them down, and then they do. You know, like, to if, me... If Disney needs Rogue One to hit Force Awakens levels of hype, can you imagine that trailer, that first trailer that shows that he's in the movie? I would I'd almost prefer they don't even show it, that it's, like, the big surprise out of nowhere. Well, that, uh, it, it can't remain a surprise. Yeah, that, that's why I was anymore. actually debating whether where, where in the episode to mention this, because I feel like, though it's a surprise now, they cannot keep a lid on that. Um, nope. The reason that th- this is speculated is that Brian Muir who sculpted the mask originally, is working on the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> that pretty much seals it. <laughs> I, it, it it's, it's too perfect. It's, and, but, and it adds to the can, Vader we legacy. Can, we can know that he's in it, just don't show it in the trailer. Just don't show it in the trailer. Just save it. I mean, everyone can know. Everyone knew well, the everyone knew but, Blofeld was but, in was but in, Matt was has in a point. Spectre. Vader is going to sell that movie to people who yep. don't know they should care. Mm-hmm. I, 
Uh, we care. Yeah. The reg- it's Star Wars, man. It's gonna, no, it's going to sell. It's, ah. it's Star Wars. You don't have to sell Star Wars. What are you talking about? $50 million dollars ticket pre-sale. Oh, think, we better make sure people go hey, see this movie. Do, do like, you think, are we going to get the teaser trailer for Rogue One in oh, episode uh, 7? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I don't think so. I actually think we're going to get the teaser trailer, the release of the Force Awakens Blu-rays in April. I think they're going to hold it April. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Blu-rays in April? That's that's so... I, I think it's going to be in theaters online. in I saw, April. I, 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 I saw that online a couple months ago. Okay. Uh, here's another one. It's another rumor about Vader. This one is really crazy. Mm-hmm. A team in the UK are soon to be heading to the US to begin training Hayden Christensen for a Star Wars Episode Eight appearance of some sort. That's that's not true. I'm just saying that now. That ain't true. <laughs> There's no way that that is true. Why on any level? Just 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 speculate. Go ahead, speculate. Why? Uh, Force Ghost. But the thing is, the easy refute for this is Hayden Christensen isn't fat. He looks fine. You can put him in some Jedi robes. You got a Force Ghost right there. Done. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, but I, only Luke would see him. And then, like, why would you have Hayden? It's like, would they really do that, though? I mean, really. Why not have an Obi-Wan ghost? Why not just have Obi-Wan Kenobi there? Young Obi-Wan. Makes just as much sense. Who says they're not? Ewan McGregor. I, Ewan McGregor said that he's not been approached at all. That's what they're paying him to say. <laughs> yeah. I think they're letting Ewan McGregor age a little bit. Like, like think, a fine uh, line? Yeah, you know, kind of get that Alec Guinness look to him, you know, kind of let the Tatooine sun do its thing, you know? <laughs> but as far as Hayden... I'm not going to lie to you guys. I would love it. I would love for someone that would love for the Hayden force ghost to show up. I well, no, not the force ghost. I would actually like it if there's like a very intimate scene in Rogue One with the helmet off and he's all scarred up and everything. I mean, everyone always said when he was coming up, you know, that actually he's a very, very talented actor. He is. He is a talented uh, actor. Yeah. And if people as Star Wars fans are willing to give Anakin Skywalker's character a pass at redemption after all he's done, (laughs) we got to give we have to give Aiden Christensen the same (laughs) chance. we, We all know that that poor guy was completely boned that Lucas had him do unnatural takes. And those are the ones he used. Yeah. Now, well, now you got to draw a line between giving Hayden a fair shake and revisionist history of deleting Sebastian Shaw out of Return of the Jedi. I draw the line at where you were going to remove actors and their performance out of the film. I mean, it's Sebastian Shaw's, you know, he's safe. I mean, that, that, I mean, mean it, he's it, safe. Well, they, no, they no, no, hold on, hold No, his force ghost, it wasn't even that good. Go back and watch the Sebastian Shaw. He didn't even do that good of a job as a force ghost. If you, if he didn't he's have like, to, wait till he's there. He didn't have to do anything. He's just there. Exactly. So this random dude shows up, and now when people who grew up with the prequels, they're like, who's that guy? It's just... Who's I, that I, guy? You I, just I, saw him with the helmet off three fucking minutes ago. I love the Hayden Force Ghost. No, in I, I, I don't like changing movies. I don't. like. Well, no, no. As far, um, as, far as like the pureness aspect, like I completely agree with that. I feel changing that is more valid than changing the voice of Boba Fett and all the other bullshit they did. Like, I, that, I, that, I, I, have to, I have to address this with Matt right now. With the, the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost. Because the excuse of, well, that's what you're used to seeing because that's you grew up on the prequels. And it, you're supposed to alleviate the question of who is that guy. All it does is raise more questions as to why does he look like young Anakin? Why doesn't he look like an older guy when he died? It's like, oh, he reverts back to the form of when he was good. But wasn't the whole fucking point of the movie but, was that Anakin had the good in him all along? That's how he was able to save Luke and redeem himself? Otherwise, it's not a redemption story. 
we're not looking for Sebastian Shaw's character to have redemption. We're looking for the Jedi that fell during Revenge of the Sith to have it. And besides, I think all that like. But it's the same the, man. It's the but, same but that, person. But that whole that whole reverts back to the time when you were good. That's all just fan in any way. Like that's all right, correct. I mean, yeah. th- that's never been. You know, that's all just what people wanted to say. But you know, if he made the movies one through six in that order. It would have been Hayden Christensen at the end of that movie. And yes, once again, I don't like the idea of changing films. And what I hate more about the idea of changing films is actually making original versions unavailable. That's worse. That's burning books. Yeah. Like, I think it's funny that Lucas is into that when they poke fun of it in Last Crusade. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really, it's almost like it should be a crime. Like when you actually don't archive art i mean that's it really does sort of border on like a fascist style way of thinking it does and and the the degree to which he's actively campaigned against earlier pressings of his own films for the sake of his vanity is actually fucked up yeah it's very glaringly psychologically i don't know it's almost a disease it seems i I just can't see the ending of it with hayden christensen no no negative thoughts to, to to the actor but how is that not anything more than the film's creator saying you're going to enjoy the prequels. It's going to be part of this legacy. I'm going to embed it into the originals so you can't take it away. You're going to have to acknowledge it. That's what that says to me, as opposed to, oh, well, no, it's about, uh, you know. Uh, well, I mean, I think I think that's just a victim of the fact that it went four through six and one through three. I mean, I don't, you know, like, once again, I that's one of those things. But, it's not, but, now, it's, but it wasn't a victim but, of that. It was because it, you had Sebastian Shaw playing the ghost. The problem was solved. It wasn't like, oh, gee, if only we had a younger version of Anakin. It made perfect sense for 30 years and then suddenly it gets flipped. Well, it made perfect sense because we didn't know what Anakin Skywalker looked like or what. When he took the helmet off, we saw his face. That's what he looked like. That's the eh, same it's actor. All scar- it's all scarred and disfigured, quite oh, frankly. Give me like, a it's, it's like it's not just, even. Everyone yeah. write, write comments on this page. Who's right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without the prequel biases like i'm just going from a standpoint of no even hey, if the prequels were good it wouldn't make sense no it, it, it for the the story for the sake of like that being a continuous story of all six parts it absolutely makes sense for a figure to appear that is the actual visage of what anakin looked like because otherwise you get an, the, the visage old, of anakin mostly you, that we saw you get was darth an, vader you get an old man who never was which is a beautiful sentiment in its own right but just mm-hmm. not true, because if Vader thinks of himself as Anakin, Anakin died when Vader was born. Therefore, he should look like Hayden Christensen. Obi-Wan grew old and imagined himself but growing old. But the point of the movie was that old. Anakin didn't die when Vader was born. He was in him the entire time. That's what allowed Only him to save Only enough to Luke. save his son. But he was there. That's the point of the movie. It's, you can't redeem somebody. It's like it's the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, there is no Anakin Skywalker. It's just Darth Vader under that mask. It's like, no. He was Anakin the whole time. And Darth Vader denies it, saying, that name no longer matters because I'm not Anakin. I'm Darth Vader now. And Luke says, I can feel it in you. I can feel the good is so, still in you. So Just why does it go. make sense visually for that representation of Anakin still being there, of him being an old man who looks nothing like the prior, if you're watching this? Because the he, wasn't, he wasn't a young man. He was an old man when he died. Therefore, that's how he looks when he died. But he didn't. So he really what we should do is like, you know, forget the other guy who played him. It should be a guy who's... As scarred and disfigured and messed up, he should be a floating torso then. Um, <laughs> no, but by that logic, you say, why isn't Obi-Wan cut in half? Why isn't he cut in half? Because he's a fucking ghost and ghosts don't make sense. It's like, <laughs> And there we get to the crux of the problem where we're arguing the metaphysics of, uh, of this other universe. Right. Why, how come Yoda and Obi-Wan look just like they do when they died, but Anakin doesn't? Because if Anakin looked like he did when he died, he would be, he would be, be Sebastian he Shaw, would, and George be, Lucas wouldn't like he that. He would be bald and covered in scars, and there'd be Which, by the way, no legs. Uh, 
Doug, you're missing also that Hayden did look like that. Like he looked like the young, scarred up Sebastian Shaw thing when he was recovered from Mustafar. So like they made him look like the Sebastian Shaw Return of the Jedi. Let me look at you with my own eyes. Version. Yeah. So like it's all just, you know, retroactive to to when the movies were made. But Cap, I think you did a good job articulating what I was trying to. <laughs> I just said, you know what? And you know how they altered Sebastian Shaw's face to look a little bit more like Hayden Christensen, like when he took the helmet off. Mm-hmm. Even if they did that to the ghost, I would say, OK, at least there's consistency there. But when it's old Sebastian Shaw hybrid of uh, Hayden Christensen, then it's just full on young Hayden Christensen. I'm just like, it, it does not make any sense to me. Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I actually think I, I have much bigger issues with this sort of superfluous kind of things. Like now, when I'm watching A New Hope, Moss Eisley is just, I mean, it's offensive. It's so bad, mm-hmm. and those effects hold up so poorly. And that is what gets my blood boiling. But when by the time I'm through Return of the Jedi, and I'm still dealing with the emotional turmoil of everything that's happened over the course of six movies... When I see Hayden, I'm not thinking that. But when I watch Moss Eisley now and that really static CG land speeder goes flying past the Womp Rats and the really bad CG droids and CG aliens, like that is what I just, I'm completely out of those movies. And when the Ronto walking past, taking up the oh, full frame. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. And now I'm starting to feel that way and I didn't want to because when I watch Empire Strikes Back, I'm always into that movie. But now when the Falcon approaches Cloud City, it's starting to really show its age. Hmm. God damn, it's just like I don't want to be taken out of those movies. Thank God Jedi effects wise was not messed with that much. Except for the ghost <laughs> at the end. Yeah, that's mostly that was mostly where those changes went. And there's a lot of stuff in Jabba's Palace, but the Endor segments of the movie stay largely intact we are now approaching the 20 year mark of phantom menace so at 20 years we got a special editions of the original trilogy is it time for disney to start thinking about doing special editions for the prequels the only special editions i'd be excited for <laughs> like just to see well see it? what changes Actually, but i'm trying to think like what's better than bringing prequel effects up to what they consider to be the sequel trilogy's standards because that's what lucas did or would they start inserting practical effects into like, <laughs> and like dumb down the prequels effects? We're actually taking real models, filming them against a blue screen, and then putting those models into the background. Also, it drives me nuts that Phantom Menace looks better than Attack of the Clones by this point. Like Attack of the Clones stuff aged so quickly, and mm. it really just does not hold up at all. Mm. That's brutal. So if you want to hear other extended conversations from this episode they will be available uh, as patreon perks sooner or later i'm actually kind of a little behind schedule on uh, on putting together some some older uh, state of the empire extended discussions but they will be on there um, along with lots of other extra perks and uh one last thing i want to say is that uh, rebels has been amazing they're yes. talking about kidnapping force sensitive babies to hypothetically kill them mm-hmm. well i don't know it's a continuation of a clone wars storyline in which Sidious had Dooku doing this, and actually Dooku contracted Cad Bane to be the one who was actually doing the kidnapping. And that's why Ahsoka says in the episode, this reminds me of what some separatists were doing during the Clone Wars. Well, and then what? They rescued the children from Mustafar, which she mentions in the episode, and then they dropped the plot thread. I don't know if they're getting into the what the basis of the Inquisitors are, or if Palpatine has some kind of grand plan involving like dark Jedi armies and like, I don't know. Like it's kind of crazy that they're going back to what was kind of at the time. Everyone's like, whoa, they're really starting to like 
tear up the old canon with this Palpatine collecting Force children. But now, clearly, it's a plot thread that they want to re-explore. So, I don't know. I'm excited about it. And there's one more episode before the half-season break, as of this episode's recording. And it's, it's been pretty heavy so far. Uh, Ezra, for example, learned that his, par- his parents are dead. And uh, it's actually kind of his fault in some ways, though he's not really reading it that way, which is good for him, because his message of rebellion that was broadcast to the system inspired them to rise up and overthrow their jailers and help people escape. But and they, that's what got them killed. And that's what got them killed, unless somehow they're actually alive. But yeah. And he's, he's okay with their sacrifice. But that during the course of Rebels, his parents were alive and he got them killed, effectively, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like he's, he's going through some real stuff, that kid. Yeah. So it's been absolutely awesome. I can't wait to see what they do next and what they're going to end this break on before the damn Star Wars movie comes out. I mean, come on. It's probably <laughs> yeah. going to be pretty big. Um, yeah, and they, they, they bumped up the date. It's on Saturday, not next Wednesday. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll actually already be out. Uh, yes. We can't comment on that, but I guess next time we can comment on it. And especially, you know, maybe there'll be a little, a little brief moment of us not talking about The Force Awakens to talk about the thing that may or may not have happened in Rebels. We don't know. We if don't it's really know what big it is. and significant enough. Yeah. That's, man, that's State of the Empire. Uh, it's a mar- marathon episode. We totally should have done one in the interim, but it's just been, it's been a gauntlet. Just, I mean, end of the year is always crazy. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you like State of the Empire, if you dig these discussions, one, join in on the forums, comment on this episode's page. But two, if you like it, the only way it can keep happening is if you support it. So please go to nerdyshow.com slash support. Follow through the links on Amazon or shoot us a donation one time or join us on Patreon, whatever it takes. If you dig it, your only hope. We'll see you next time. We'll see you real, real soon. I cannot believe The Force Awakens is going to happen. It's It's insane. It's insane. (laughs) Uh, Bye. I'm Cap. Bye. I'm Doug. Bye. I'm Matt. Taking Us Out is a Star Wars Yuletide classic. What can you get? A Wookiee for Christmas. As covered by Mark with a C. This cover premiered, oh, ages ago in Nerdy Show's Life.